parte Mihailovic, il suo sinistro, e gol, 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 doppietta di sinistra! This goal was scored by Sinisa Mihailovic for Inter against Roma from a free kick back in... Stop! What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are we covering this one and not the free kick hat-trick against Sampdoria? I was looking for that one, obviously, but I couldn't find good commentary for it. What do you want me to do? Okay, fuck it. We'll just pretend. Maybe they, they won't realize. No, they won't catch on. This goal was scored by <laughs> Sinisa Mihailovic for Lazio against Sampdoria in a 5-2 win back in 1998, where he scored a hat-trick of free kicks. Bro, that one, though, like all jokes aside, it was crazy because he had just joined Lazio from Samp that season. So he joined them and they played each other and he scored a hat-trick all from free kicks. And he like spent the level of disrespect. four years there, right? He spent four years at, at Sampdoria. Then he, he spent around four at Lazio as well. He actually holds the records for the most free kick goals in Serie A history. He has about 28, I believe. Jesus Christ. Um, it's super interesting because the man was a centre-back, but you could have easily mistaken him for a centre midfielder with his yeah, style of play. And he probably could have played there as well. He was known for his long-range shooting, his long-range passing, and that kind of caused him to push up uh, into the midfield throughout, throughout the game. He scored a total of 66 goals from the centre-back position. Like you said, 28 goals of those were free kicks and he's played for clubs like Vojvodina, Red Star, which are obviously um, Serbian and Yugoslavian clubs, Yugoslavian at the time. And in Italy, he's played for Roma, Samp, Lazio and Inter. Um, he's won pretty much everything there is to win in Italy. He has won the Serie A with Lazio, the Coppa Italia twice, with Lazio the Super Coppa Italiana twice, with Lazio the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Super Cup all with Lazio alone. Then with Inter, he's also won the Serie A in 2006, the Coppa Italia on two separate occasions and the Super Coppa Italiana in 2005. His love for football didn't really allow him to step away from the game after retirement. He joined Inter's management staff the season after he retired. He became their assistant manager. He also went on to coach Catania, Fiorentina, Serbia, Sampdoria, Milan, Torino, Sporting and two stints at Bologna, who he is currently managing. I mean, the guy has just had a glittering professional career and he's loved by millions across the world, but his youth life wasn't exactly easy and it's probably even harder nowadays. Yes, um, he came up from very humble beginnings. His father, Bogdan, was a Serbian truck driver, while his mother, who's Croatian, worked in a shoe factory. And his parents were Serbian and Croatian. This was all during the Croatian War of Independence from Yugoslavia. And his house was even destroyed by Croatian forces, among whom was his childhood best friend, who was part of the forces, an ethnic Croat, uh, which forced his parents to actually flee their homes, obviously. Despite this, he has since forgiven his childhood friend in a meeting in Zagreb prior to the crucial Euro 2000 qualification match between Yugoslavia and Croatia, which, as you can imagine, was absolute fireworks. You can just imagine the, the political back and forth between, <laughs> between the supporters. Nowadays, unfortunately, Mihailovic is facing very different struggles as he's currently undergoing his second battle with leukemia, which at least... He seems very confident of beating for a second time. Yes, he said that Lukimi has got quite the pair of balls to be challenging him <laughs> once again and that he's confident he'll beat it quickly since he caught it earlier and um, has a great medical team with him, basically. Yeah, we wish Sinisa and his family all the best. Despite this message coming from two drunken idiots in Malta, we <laughs> genuinely hope to see him back on the touchline as soon as possible with a big, big smile on his face, some fresh kicks, obviously, 
and lots of love from his loyal fan base in Bologna. And thank you for the 3-0 victory over Inter. Cheers. Cheers. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Say A Spotlight. We're your host Jake and Matt. This is episode 33. Wow. wow. The Kuchka of episodes. <laughs> Make sure to check us out on Twitter and TikTok, guys. We've actually grown a staggering amount on TikTok due to the fact that copyright laws are so lax in China. We can pretty much post anything we want. Literally, <laughs> We've no. just been nabbing videos from everywhere and just posting them there. We've grown to like 400 and something yeah. followers now. Fuck Instagram, bro. Pretty, yeah, fuck Instagram. Fuck we're on TikTok now, right? You're going to see us <laughs> dancing and stuff soon. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, though. Yes, that's where we will be posting our prediction series, where we do currently post our prediction series, which I have won 5-4 this week. Yeah. Any comments, bro? Tally's up to 9-7. You are making a miraculous comeback. Since yeah, but I mean... Stalled a bit. Earlier, I was, I was bringing it back to 2. And then each time you're winning again, putting me back at 3. Now, at least I got close. I got, I got it back to 1. And now mm-hmm. I'm 2 behind and... I'm confident I could get, you know, two, three wins on the trot and, and, and I could get back at you, man. Like For sure, you're right back in this, man. Yeah, and you're, you're not exactly an intelligent guy, so <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I could manage to do it, bro. Uh, intelligence, just like many things in life, my brother, is relative. Okay, trying to sound smart now by tossing phrases at me that I don't quite understand. <laughs> but Relative means subjective. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, obviously. But one thing we do know a fair bit about is football, particularly Serie A. And we've had quite a... I mean, for us, it was a shit, shit week as as Milan fans. And the series of events that we'll go through in today's episode will kind of showcase why that is. But it was an exciting Uh, week of football and there's a lot of big encounters. For sure. We had to record on Wednesday in order to get our energy a bit up. You know, we were mourning the... The two lost points against Bologna. No, but, but no, no seriously, yeah. I'm not even taking the piss. Some some funny cunts at work tried to bring up Milan's draw to Bologna. Shout them and out, I, shout them out. <laughs> Sean and Adam Ryan. And I just literally told them, boys, not today. Like, not having it. Shut the fuck up. And mm. they did. So being head of sales counts for something, I guess. That's great, <laughs> That's great man. Um, we've had, as Matty said, a crazy week, of course, some upsets, some big games over here, even like the the games that aren't the headliner games, like mm. Lazio Sassuolo was a spectacle, you know. Of course. We have, we have Atalanta-Napoli wasn't even the biggest game of the weekend, it was quite a massive one. You know, we had Juventus, we had fucking Verona-Genoa, it was fun to watch. So Spezia-Venezia, Spezia, a relegation six-pointer. So we have quite a lot to get into, guys. And I think... We should dive right in, bro. What do you think? I think it's time. Let's head on over to Bergamo. Atalanta 1, Napoli 3. So at this point, with the game about to start, Milan fans sitting at home, rubbing their hands together. Licking their lips and Licking their lips as Napoli face one of the toughest matches of the season. A visit to Bergamo to face Gasperini's men, who, coming into this game had won four of their last six Serie A meetings against Napoli, including the reverse fixture, which was a 3-2 away win for Atalanta back in December. I'm sure you both remember that very clearly. Yes, now, sir. 
Of course, Atalanta have been struggling as of late, but they were coming off a 1-0 victory against Bologna away from home, which at this point we know that's not easy. And at this stage of the season, with eight matches to go, it's now or never for their Europa League charge. So Atalanta are always going to bring it. They're good against tough opponents. So this was by no means an easy game for Napoli. Napoli, though, have been the most consistent out of the top three recently, as they haven't put a foot wrong ever since they lost that game against Milan. But they missed Ozyman and Drahmani through suspension. And Zanoli started at right back to replace the injured Di Lorenzo, and Politano was preferred over Chucky Lozano. So in the 14th minute, Insigne converted from the spot. So Mertens knocked the ball past Musso, who ended up colliding with the Belgian striker, bringing him down in the penalty area. Now the ref didn't initially award the penalty, surprisingly, because it was pretty damn clear in my eyes. But he reverted to VAR and the ref pointed to the spot. Insigne belted the ball into the bottom corner. Musso tracked it, but it wasn't enough. In the 37th minute, my brother, what a fucking masterpiece. This is the thing that Napoli are going to find the hardest to replace once Insigne leaves. But we'll get into that in the talking points. Mm-hmm. The vision, the intelligence, the execution, the audacity of Lorenzo Insigne. He's in a position from a free kick where he'd normally strike the ball. But he chips it and he finds Politano totally by himself on his favorite left foot. And the cunt, Squidward, just volleys it into the bottom corner. The amount of weapons Napoli has is incredible and somewhat annoying. So shortly after the second half, Muriel and Anguissa collided in the area and Muriel went to ground. The referee gave a free kick the other way, but in my opinion, this was a penalty because Anguissa clipped Muriel. But whatever. In the 58th minute, Derun... Managed to get one back for Atalanta. It was a cross by Miranchuk from just outside the area. And he found Darun all by himself. Who headed the ball into the corner. Making it 2-1. Darun of all people. <laughs> Literally what the commentator <laughs> yeah. said. In the 81st. And then if Atalanta thought they had any hope. Elmas sunk that ship. As they were looking for that equalizer. Koulibaly won the ball. And played a fantastic long ball to Lozano. Who ran at Zappacosta and ran at Zappacosta. Before cutting in and playing the ball through to Elmas. Who placed the ball cleverly past Musso. That was the end of the game. 3-1 away victory for Napoli. Now at this point. Napoli were placed top of the table. Level on points with Milan. Milan obviously having that game in hand. Left to play against Bologna. On Monday, and as I said in the intro, this has to be one of the hardest games for any team in the season, a visit to Bergamo. Now, we both said that this game was going to end up in a draw. How surprised were you that not only did Napoli manage to win, but managed to win so convincingly? So, Napoli were missing Rahmani and Ozyman, as we as we mentioned. Um, I did think that they would struggle to create chances um, mm-hmm. to like really keep up with Atalanta now I know Atalanta haven't really been at the races lately but they still they have still played up played up to their opponents for mm-hmm. example like when they played against Juventus you know everyone was like oh yeah. Atalanta are done they're finished 1-1 you know earlier in the yeah. season they I forgot who they were against Roma I think with like no players no players no, no bench and they held them exactly at and they, ha- they held them at nil nil so they've they've proven to be quite street smart in these games so yeah. I did think that they would put up a better fight against Napoli but to be fair to Napoli they were fucking fantastic this game no, they were they were perfect man. Napoli are at their absolute best day it's kind of shades of what we saw in the beginning of the season barring that loss against Milan 
you remember when when Napoli had won like the first nine games or something of of the season? They're reminding me of that mm. Napoli, an absolute full it's flow, true. man. It's true. And Ozyman's picked up another injury, apparently. Have you seen? I I saw it vaguely. I I, I think it's still early days, mm. so the headline wasn't well. The article wasn't exactly informative, but yeah, apparently it's, it's some kind of knock that that he picked okay. up. Okay, so it shouldn't be too serious for them, but they have proven that they can get it done without him, so not a big deal for them. Brother, 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 I'm going to interrupt your points just to highlight how massive Mario Rui has been, man. Mario Rui has been Roberto Carlos for them (laughs) recently. No, he really, really has been good, man. He's been super, it's true. And I remember, like... Just pointing him out as the obvious weak spot for mm-hmm. Napoli, like week in, week out, basically. No, like last year, beginning of the season as well. You know, but now the second part of the season, he's really stepped it up. He's literally been Roberto Carlos, bro. How much of that do you think is Luciano Spalletti? Oh, a lot. Uh, most of it, bro. Oh, a lot of man. Oh, a lot of man. No, it's it's mostly Luciano Spalletti. I think. I think the fact that he shows such faith in him and he doesn't bench him. You know, granted there aren't many uh, options to mm. to actually replace him, but um, I think it's also the desire to win, man. You know, he, the second yeah. day, it's within their reach. Now he's actually giving it the, his all. Like, yeah, that's true. He plays as though he's uh, he's a left wing back in a three-five-two. Mm. That's where he's playing. The way he's charging forward, man, and just with that left foot on the yeah, on the on the left hand side of the pitch, further up, he's he's been so good. He's, he's been have, magical. Honestly, man. I would have never thought I'd be sat here praising Mario Rui, saying hey, with that man, left foot and his fucking charge. him on free kicks, man. He's been whacking the post left, right, and center <laughs> with long range drives. He's such a refined Florenzi, man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> What about what about that Politano goal? I know I've made quite a meal of it already in the play-by-play, but wow, man. Wow. That was a beautiful set-piece routine. Do you think Insignia thought to do that on the fly, or was it, it straight it, off the training no, ground? No, I mean, I mean, Politano's intelligent run of the ball shows that this was something that, that, was, that was practiced. Routine, he, right? Yeah, he's got his left foot. You know, yeah. Insignia saw the gap well, Politano charged it, sat perfectly to him, and as soon as you see the ball floating into Politano like that on his favoured left foot and he only has the keeper to beat, you just know exactly what's coming and what a goal it was, man. It was brilliant, man, honestly. Great goal. Yeah. Do you think Napoli are favourites to win the league? I, I mean, they are the best out of those three teams. They are the best. Form-wise, yes, right now. Form-wise, they're the best of the three, for sure. I would say right now, form-wise, it's Napoli, Milan, Inter, in that order. Okay. Of those three. Uh Uh-huh. Then, I would have said Juve before, because form-wise, Juve seemed unstoppable, you know? But but who knows? Who knows what's going on with them? Yeah. Um, Atalanta, let's shift our focus slightly to them. Now, Mm -hmm. Duvan was on the bench. So mm-hmm. he's he's getting better and obviously he's going to be healed up when we go watch Milan Atalanta and he's going to score a fucking hat-trick. Yes. Now, how effective will he be upon his return, do you think? I mean, they'll be playing with a striker, which is nice. Having Duvan Zapata back means they have Muriel back. Because yeah. not only does it take some of the pressure of the, the little Colombian shoulders, but um, it allows... You know, Muriel, I don't know many people are very much aware of these people that don't watch Atalanta for example Muriel is a very 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 intelligent player no he is to the point that like watching him play sometimes you think he's like an attacking midfielder because he he holds the ball back and he plays people through 
He often mm. does that. You know, he slows his yeah. run down. He plays an intelligent ball, and his yeah. passes are very, very intelligent. So yeah. having a, an actual target man or a finisher can give him more options of where to play the ball. You know, right now he's playing the ball to Malinowski, Coop, Miners. You know, the full backs and Zappacosta and Hatterberg. They're not the best people to aim at. No. Having Duvan to aim at actually. You know, it's much better. And the space he's going to be creating for Duvan as well. A slightly stockier striker Mm -hmm. in that sense. Muriel's going to take two or three defenders with him on an off-the-ball run, for example. And that leaves space for the aerial threat that is Duvan Zapata. We've seen him score in the air time and time again. And I think that could help Atalanta kind of fight for... You know, they're fighting for a Europa League spot now. They are. uh, Against Lazio and, and Roma. But in fact, Atalanta are three points behind Roma, who are in fifth, but they have a game in hand, Atalanta. Okay, yes. So so that will help them. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about this game or yes. about Napoli or Atalanta in particular? I would, I would like to add that I'm not Hatterberg's biggest fan, man. I have to say that before the injury, I've always thought he was a little bit clunky as a player. You know, he's kind of like a third lung merchant. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he he can run up and down that fucking wing and like pretty much dominate it when it comes to energy. But his output, his his crossing, his finishing, his defending isn't particularly stellar either. He's mm. very much just average at everything as much as I hate to say these things and to criticize players like that. Oh. Brilliant fitness... Oh, Average how things baller. change, yeah? Oh, how things change. In the beginning of the season, Atalanta were hailed to have the best wing-backs in the league. Well, mm-hmm. among the best wing-backs in the league, with Gossens on one side and a fully fit Hatteber on the other side, obviously sometimes being replaced by Meili, for yes. example, um, and Zappa Costa. And, I mean, now look at them. Now look at them. They've got an off-form and an injury-ridden Hatteber. And Gossens is obviously gone. And Zappacosta is filling in on the left sometimes and, and all uh, this yeah, shit. He, he's not bad, though, to be honest, Zappacosta. He's, no, he's not bad. probably but, their best fullback. But right come now. on, what a downgrade from Gossens. For yeah. sure. No, 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 for sure. It, it's crazy how they've depleted, man, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. That pace on the wings is gone. Mm-hmm. It, it's totally gone. And that was a massive, massive card they had up their mm-hmm. sleeve. You know, Malinowski didn't really show up. Um, Boga looked dangerous when he came on. He looked all right, like, but um, Miranchuk wasn't bad, exactly. They just need, they need a bit of time. Miranchuk often looks good. That coming off the bench. I'm surprised he doesn't get more minutes, man, to be honest with you. And I'm surprised he still wants to be there. Because mm. he's he's not particularly young. He's not a youngster, you know. We're talking about like a 26, 27-year-old guy. Let's find out. Miranchuk he is 26 is tw- years yeah. old, exactly. Nail on the head, well woo, done. Woo, thank you, yes. Um, he can totally and be a starter for many. And he's going to be 27 this year. Yeah. He's going to be 27 He can be year. a starter for many sides in Serie A, so we'll see what happens with him. Oh, facts. Imagine him at, at like uh, Fiorentina, for example. I'm, I'm sure he'll fit into to a, a Fiorentina or a Verona of sorts, you know. Yeah, for sure. So now Napoli are in second, they're one point behind Milan, Atalanta in seventh, three points behind Roma in fifth, but do have that game in hand. The next game we're going to be covering is Juventus nil Inter 1. The reverse fixture was a 1-1 draw, goal scored by Dzeko and Dybala. Inter record their first win at the Allianz Stadium since November 2012. Now, we were at Monelli for this one, bro. Oh, that was so much fun. With, with the Milan boys. That was so much fun. They're it all was. they're all going to be at the game. Yeah. They're all <laughs> going to be at the game. And I can't wait. I man. can't wait. That's going to be a blast for sure. Good group of guys. Shout out yes. to all of you. So, 
The game started off, okay, referee blew the whistle, the game kicked off, Locatelli got kicked in the head. <laughs> his face instantly, man. His face just puffed up and he went off the pitch in tears. It was Lautaro Martinez who kicked him in the face, essentially, and I think, had it not been in the first minute, that's a red card. It, th- this is often the case in football. One thing I would compare that to is the 2010 World Cup final where De Jong fucking karate kicked Xabi Alonso in the chest. A clear-cut red card and the man didn't even get a yellow card. Yeah. This is something we're going to see time and time again in football and it is a level of understanding from, from the referee. And I'm sure there's a, you know, an understanding coming uh, from the players. Like an like, unwritten rule. Like an of. unwritten rule, kind of, out of, out of sheer respect. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's that way when like a penalty isn't awarded and then they get another one the other way and it's yeah, not awarded either, yeah. you know what I mean? But, but it's it, it compensation is, kind of. It's very important and as we mention all the time, but this is actually still a fair point, that all the referees remain consistent because the second that Lautaro doesn't get a red card for that and then, for example... Rebic gets a red card from that in, in the fifth minute, yeah. then suddenly Serie A prefer Inter. So it is something that they need to be very cautious about. No, of course, consistency is key, grey areas suck, etc, etc. Um, Juve came out strongly this game, kind of like they came out against Villarreal, you know, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, shots fired from the likes of Vlaovic, Quadrado, Dybala, they were really peppering Handanovic's yeah, yeah. goal over there. Um, at one point, Handanovic mishandled Quadrado's cross, resulting in the ball bouncing just inside the six-yard box before cannoning off the crossbar. It was Kellini who could mm, have got a touch oh to it God. and just knock it in. Oh but like, Another squid word. He couldn't quite get it. Yes, it's the attack of the squid. So the drama came towards the end of the first half, bro. Inter were given a relatively controversial penalty following the combined challenges of um, Morata and Sandro mm-hmm. on Denzel Dumfries, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Chalanoglu stepped up to take the penalty. He puts it down, all right? He's looking, you know. Like an idiot. <laughs> he shoots bottom left, kind of, bottom left middle. Mm-hmm. And he was denied by Chesney. Good save. The sequence of events post-penalty led to Rabiot turning the ball into his own net, but referee Massimiliano Irati had already pulled the Marco Serra and blown exactly. the whistle in order for the penalty to be retaken. So all the Inter players are freaking out. I think he originally gave a free kick the other way, dude. I um, think. The chaos, bro, there, there was ensued, so much chaos. Honestly, I have no clue. Like, um, Delict had entered the box prematurely, apparently, yeah, yeah. For, for the penalty. Yeah. That's why it had to be retaken. Now, that's another rule. That I can't stand because everyone enters the, p- the box prematurely every time, just FYI. Like, that's, that's how it works. Now, I don't know of the way maybe he entered way too prematurely for the referee's liking. Or, or I whatever, mean, it was nothing out of the ordinary. Exactly. But it is a rule in place. You, you know what I mean? And you do see them. Sure, you do but see them given. Just kind of convenient that it's being exercised now. But anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Chalanoglu stepped up again, went for the same corner. Chesney guessed right, but couldn't get a hand, a hand on it. Sorry. Um, Chalanoglu ran up to the fans with his hands in the air, apologizing for the failure to convert the original one while Allegri fucking threw his jacket and raged on hilarious, the, on the touchline. It was a hilarious was, reaction. It was. Um, the goal didn't result in a momentum shift at all for Juve. For Inter, sorry, as Juve kept the, the pressure up mm-hmm. so so much mm-hmm. so that Brozovic had to clear the ball as angled strike off the line after the Argentinian yeah. had played was played through by by Morata basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw Vlavic twisting and turning and trying to turn the tide. We saw Zakaria charging from midfield and having his effort saved onto the bar. 
We saw Delict and Vlaovic humiliating themselves, diving for penalties. We saw it all here. Oh, yeah. Juve tried everything, man. They really, really did. They really did, man. They really tried. And I thought they would get something out of it, but it just wouldn't tick for them. Juve's 90 minutes were up, and Inter went home with three points, ending Juve's 16-match unbeaten run in Serie A, bro. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's get down to the talking points. First of all, do you think that was a penalty on Dumfries? I think it was incredibly soft. I think it was very, very soft. I I do think, okay, two men going in for the same same man at the same time. It looks bad, doesn't it? I mean, it it looks like they they got the guy all tripped up, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that the contact from... Both men was very minimal. I think a meal was made of it, and I think on another day it might not have been given, but at the same time, you can't blame him for giving the penalty. You can't. There were two two guys, right, extending and getting the man first, essentially. I, I mean, you that know, you slow that you slow that down on VAR, that's gonna look horrible. Yeah, that, that is the fact of the matter, and obviously it's the, the, the classic complaint about VAR is that when you slow the game down, you know, everything just seems worse, doesn't it? And, and I really don't think there was that significant contact from either of the players, but no, I can't, I can't complain too much about, about the penalty being given. It was more the fact that the penalty was given and then the sequence of events that came after that kind of give me the impression that Juve were robbed in this game, that, that the referee... Yeah tended to favor Inter throughout the game. I do think that um, Inter were robbed here. Mm. You know, I, I think that Inter were robbed. They, sorry, Juve were robbed. They deserved to get at least a draw out of this, I think. Um, Inter, even the way they played, just added fucking insult to injury because yeah. they only had one shot on one target single shot and that was target. the penalty, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you think it was a penalty? And what do you think about the sequence of events that came So after? I think the penalty had to be given there. Okay. Personally, the sequence of events that happened after was just kind of stupid refereeing, in my opinion. Mm. You know, blowing the whistle for the penalty to be retaken when they've scored. Yeah, he seemed very—he seemed very indecisive. The ref in that moment. He did, and, and he didn't really have control of the game. <laughs> you know, yeah. you look—you look at the lineups over here. Yellow card just peppered everywhere. Galore, you know? man, galore. It's literally galore. And and, yeah, and the red card for the Shilio on the bench, by the way. Remember ah, that? yes, yes, yes. Of course, <laughs> we were, because we were watching the game without commentary, so we we're constantly like, "Whoa, who the fuck got sent off? Why is he retaking the penalty?" It was. <laughs> Such chaos, man. But I think I think the the referee did have a bit of a, a shocker here. I think it was indecisive throughout the entire game. I think um, the players, you know, when they were surrounding him, they kind of managed to throw him off his original mm. decisions, and that's not what you want to see on the biggest stage in the in the, in the derby. You know what I mean? Yes. You would like someone with a bit more balls to take charge of the game over there, and I think it would have been a different outcome had that been the case. Sure, but nonetheless, massive win for Inter. And as we've discussed, bro, they've got the most favorable fixtures remaining. Yep. Do you think you have any idea of what might occur next? We've already discussed this a little bit. You said that Napoli are favorites. But looking at Inter's fixtures, do you think... So, are you asking me to predict the top three? Is that what you're doing right now? That's what I'm doing indirectly. Oh, God. Okay. So what we do this every week, eh? Yeah, we do do this every week, but this this just goes to show because I don't mind being wrong and I don't mind repeating myself because this is just till people start making memes, bro. Yeah, but I don't give a fuck. What what this basically shows evidence. My my stance over here on Serie A spotlight is to show how great the league is, and us 
Our predictions changing week by week only goes to show how unpredictable the fucking league is. We haven't mastered it, and I don't think anyone will you can't ever master it. the league. Absolutely not. Every season is different. You know, form is incredible. It could be that, you know, God forbid, touch wood. Milan get 11 injuries and there's no chance that they win the league or there's a fucking plane crash or some yes. shit and, and a bunch of players die. But all, all we know is that since we've started our podcast, this league has become mental. No, oh, 100%. So, so that's 100%. That, man. We need to keep on recording till the day we till die. Till the day we die, man. For sure. Um, what I think basically is I think Napoli will win the league. I think that Napoli have enough firepower to get it done. I think they have the most weapons out of the top three. I think Milan are struggling to get goals. And to be honest, I don't see that changing much. Inter, I still see that they're somewhat sloppy. I know they, they just beat Juve away from home. One of the toughest encounters anyone can have in, in the league. Mm. But my prediction would be, with the, with the hard fixtures that Milan have left, I see them down in third. I see Inter in second, and I see Napoli winning the league one point ahead of Inter. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to kind of agree with you that I can't see Milan winning the league at this point. You know, yeah. a, a win against Bologna, and I would have been a bit more confident, but the, the oh, fixtures remaining or remaining are so fucking difficult, man. There's Verona, Sassuolo, Atalanta, Lazio. Lazio. All these guys, man, Fiorentina, all these bogey teams. Like. And then there's Genoa, you know what I yeah. mean, who are not an easy draw in the slightest. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's we'll see what happen. happens. We'll see. Remember when we said we're going to try to keep this podcast as neutral as possible? No, like, but I mean... We hide who we're with, we hide who we're with. <laughs> that was the, the initial idea, but... Yeah. But uh, authenticity is the, the spice of life, whatever, mm. shall we say that? We want you guys to know us through and through. We don't want to mm-hmm. hide any shit or or whatever and this does attract more Milan fans but hopefully you Inter fans you Napoli fans you Juve fans can tune in as well because you know we wouldn't be Milan fans without the Juve fans without the Inter fans you know exactly who would there be to hate yes if they weren't there that's true now um, according to the expert analysts on Twitter my friend um, (laughs) Juventus went from being in a title charge to their fourth spot being in danger of contention to Roma thoughts on that and i want you before you answer i want you to take one more look at the table over here um i want you to observe that currently juventus and roma have each played 31 games juve are on 59 points and roma are on 54 points roma are on an unbeaten streak of 10 games Mm -hmm. and they've looked pretty fucking solid juve had an unbeaten streak of 16 games but have just lost the winter thoughts juve are gonna get champions league 100 percent that that is that is my thought and you know okay roma are currently on that 10 match unbeaten streak juve were on a 17 match un- unbeaten streak yeah. you know what i mean they lost against inter the champions one of the best teams in the league whilst they were going through a dip in form but they rise in the derby when it comes to a derby form doesn't matter Juve are going to pick themselves up. They have enough experience in the team to do so. They have Massimiliano Allegri. They have Chiellini. They have Bonucci. They have some serious leaders. They have fucking Vlaovic. They have Zakaria. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Roma will scare them. But Juve will be absolutely fine. 
Okay, okay. I find it difficult to see Juve slipping up over here, but I do hope that Roma can challenge that spot because that would be fucking incredible if oh, Roma the scenes, if Roma take that fourth spot. The scenes, that would be crazy scenes, honestly. That would be mental. Um, let's see what we've got here. Chalanoglu, bro, has uh-huh. seven goals and eight assists this season and has scored against every single team in the top five. He has two goals and assists. Sorry. Let's call them two goal contributions against Milan, okay. two goal contributions against Napoli, two goal contributions against Roma, along with a goal against Juve. So the man loves being on the big stage this season. With, with this Inter. season, yes. This season. He's shown it, and I think that massive turning point for him was him stepping up to take the penalty against Milan and just doing that celebration. Mm-hmm. Thinking that he's silenced all the critics and, and, and that, you know, he's, he's conquered that demon that, that lived in him for a significant period. It mustn't have been, it mustn't have been easy for Chalanoglu. It wasn't easy for Milan fans, but it wouldn't have been easy for him either, receiving all that criticism and, and all that hate. But I feel like him stepping up to do that has changed the way that he performs on the larger stage. I still do think that he is a very streaky player mm-hmm. and... He's more frustrating than than he is rewarding, basically. But yeah, his his stats look good, don't they? But they always look good, man. It, people don't see uh. the the streaky performances that he has and the build up to these big games. And yeah, that, that's that's basically my take. And he's been scoring a lot of penalties, to be fair with you. And he's been taking set pieces as well. So the goals and assists, pretty much, you know, you're bound to get a few if you're on penalties, if you're on corners, if you're on free kicks, you're on absolutely yeah, for sure. everything. You know, we've seen what Chalanoglu can do with Milan. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen that, for example, with Milan in 2020, he had four goals and nine assists. And that was considered a pretty streaky year in 30, 30 appearances. You know, the year mm-hmm. before, he had nine goals, nine assists. The thing is, these nine goals, nine assists, four goals, nine assists, they always come in one half of the season, typically. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a bunch of games where he doesn't even turn up. And when he plays terribly, he, he contributes defensively. Don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, he, yeah. there's always that work rate that he puts in. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but he tends to fuck up counterattacks when he's off. He tends to take too long to do something. Mm. Messes up like that last ball. You know, it's so frustrating to see. I mean, there's no such thing as an okay performance for Chalanoglu. He's either great, and that is when he gets contributions and when he's on hot form. But when he's not great, he is dog shit. He is dog <laughs> shit when, when he's not on. But to cut him some slack, it's his first season at Inter. Very controversial summer for him. Must have been a tough period. I'll repeat myself over there. And the numbers for, for his first season are, are very good. And, and yes. bear in mind, coming into the season, no one had high hopes for Inter. Yeah, definitely, bro. His um, best season was that nine goals, nine assists, one in 2020 with Milan. And I think he's about to emulate that with um, yeah. within yeah, two more penalties so is all it power, takes. Power to him, man, you know. Fuck him, but power to him. Power to him. Is there anything you'd like to address from this game being a big game, bro? Anything, any observations that you made? Any? Um, no, comments? I just want to highlight again that, that this was a loss for Juve that you know, was was against a very powerful team in, in Inter. And I don't think Juve should be being criticized for losing this game and that they'll be they'll be fine in, in no time. Yes, um, it feels like many decisions are going in Inter's favor. Now, I don't want to be someone who does this on a mm. podcast, you know, to come up here and like call, you know, corruption or whatever. But yeah, but it does seem strange. No, 
that so many decisions have gone in Inter's favor. So many faces have been broken and no reds given. You know, we've seen Vaca, we've seen Ozyman, we've seen fucking Locatelli. These are players who have had their faces busted open by an Inter player and not got been penalized for it. And the biggest thing still that we haven't mentioned is the fact that the fixtures have been laid out. And it seems like it's a theme that all of Milan's games are after Inter's games and after Napoli's games. When Milan are in first and all the pressure is put on them, I strongly believe that if Milan had played Bologna on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. on a Sunday, on a fucking Friday, they could have gotten something out of that. But it is cold feet for the young squad, man. Cold, cold feet. And it's fishy, dude. It's it weird. It's weird. Something, That's all I can say. Something smells weird. But anyway, um, I I don't want to no to let's, spend let's too much not, time dwelling let's on not, this. No, no, no. It's boring to talk about this. Yeah. Shit. Being a conspiracy theorist, we've probably lost like what <laughs> seven listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I will tell you where they are. Inter are third with a game in hand against Bologna, four points off of Milan in first. Juve sit fourth, five points above Roma. And eight points of Milan at first. So the next game we're going to be covering. So obviously this happened and Milan were set to face Bologna on a Monday night. So uh, again, Milan had to play after the two big games. Milan were hoping that they would both drop points. Both of them having the toughest fixtures of the season yet. But that wasn't the case and all the pressure on the world was on Milan's shoulders. However, they were sporting their new fourth kit. That kind of looks like, you remember when Goal.com had posted that artwork when Theo was joining Milan and there's kind of the Real Madrid kit merging with, <laughs> with the yeah. Milan one. <laughs> You're right. That, that's, that's exactly what it looks like. That is exactly what it is. Now, if I, if I recall correctly, and by if I recall correctly, I mean I totally do recall correctly. You liked it during the game. I liked it from, this is going to sound really weird, but I liked it from the back, baby. From the front, it looks weird, but from a distance, from the back. It looks a little bit cool. It looks like mm. Milan have managed to pull something off here. But it is a, it's just a weird style, yeah. isn't it? Just I, the stripes in the middle. I just think it's a cool one to have in your collection. Mm. But it's not a kit that you can wear with an outfit. No, I'm, I'm it's not exactly. A, it's, not, it's not a nice kit to wear. You no. know what I mean? It's, no. it's pretty fucking ugly, if I'm going to be honest with you. You look close, there's the whole tacky peeling thing you know it looks like it you know the the like shards of red and black i'm just glad it's a fourth kit bro you know what i mean like when do people even wear fourth? and hopefully milan will never wear it again after the performance against but you know completely sold out in like small medium large and excel people are weird people People are weird but this this might be at the end of the day touch wood you know we never know but imagine milan win the league and you get one of the a special kit that has never looked that way, you know, mm. and that they were once in a game that they almost lost the league in, for example. Yeah, in 20 years, up... you'll sell it for a K. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's an investment, that kit. So guys, yeah. trust me, buy the fourth yeah, Exactly. Don't, don't buy Everyone it. buy it. <laughs> now, with a win in this match, Milan would have had 69 points from 31 matches. Now, since 1945 which was the start of the three-point era. This would have been Milan's third best position at this point of the season in Serie A. In 06, they had 70 in this period, and in 04, they had 76. So, missed opportunity, missed opportunity, missed opportunity. However, Milan have been struggling for goals recently, 
but at least have won 1-0 in their past three fixtures against Cagliari, Empoli and Napoli. Bologna haven't won a match since match day 26. <laughs> and as we mentioned in the intro, their coach, their head coach, uh, Sinisa Mihailovic, could only watch from his hospital bed with a group of 11 men and an entire coaching staff that wanted to go out there and make him proud. Now, Kessi was replaced by Benasser, and Bologna made three changes with Abisher, Barrow and Dykeson for De Silvestri, Orsolini and Soriano. So, not really much to go through in the play-by-play unless you want me to recite every single one of Milan's 33 fucking shots. <laughs> seven of which were on target, including a couple of good saves by Skorupski. He had four in particular, there were two on Juru headers. One from a deflected Leao shot where he saved it with his leg and another from a Rebic header from a corner which he tipped over the bar. Now we know Milan are great at the back, but why are they struggling so much for goals? Okay, so... Okay. So Milan's team is flawless up until the double pivot. Yeah. Okay, so Manian, Teo, Tomori, Kalulu, Calabria, Benacer, Tonali, no complaints. Not at no all. No complaints Not at one. all. Actually, you know, we've seen clean sheets five in a row. What's that? Something Four. like that. It's crazy, honestly. Um, can't complain. The problems come in the next part. So, um, Leao on the left, of course, we know he can be phenomenal. We mm-hmm. know that he shows Fantastic world-class player. potential and all that. But at the end of the day, we're looking at a player over here who... When he's not at the races, he's a bit frustrating for now, yeah. and at, at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. I don't want to criticize him too heavily, he's 22 years old, you know? No, but, but I would like to see more of a work rate. I would him. like to see more industriousness as well. It can't be that you walk around, man. Yeah. You, you haven't achieved anything yet to warrant walking around while Milan desperately need a goal. Nor while your will team you ever. Nor will, Nor you, will ever. you ever, to be honest with you. You could win fucking as many Ballon d'Ors as you want. At the end of the day, you're playing for your team. Exactly. You're not playing Ibra's for excuse because he's got no legs on him. You know what yeah, I mean? But exactly. come on, dude. 22 years old, come put on. it in. Now, I get, I get that, for example, he makes a lot of runs throughout the whole game. Like, you know, Theon, if you notice, he conserves his energy towards for the end of the game. That's when mm. he starts charging relentlessly. But mm. when it comes Leao, for example, he he starts going on those runs and taking players on early on. So I do understand if he's walking to kind of save his energy. But you know, if a ball is played, you know, a little bit too forward for him and the defender gets it, press him. You know what I mean? Just press him until he passes it and then just walk a bit, conserve your energy. Yeah. There was a point when he was down on the right. Hickey was was uh, getting trying to clear the ball wonderful player trying to get the ball clear from you know a tight position on the left hand side Leao could have closed him and he could have taken the ball off him but he walked but anyway sorry you were saying Leao and and your okay so we have Leao who is not the problem is Mm -hmm. not the problem but if he doesn't show up then the problem becomes visible exactly the problem is the right side that's the biggest problem right now. Mm-hmm. So we have Salamakers, who's been criticized apparently because his mentality and his work rate in training have not been good enough. When I thought I was under the impression that he was, he was a, work, a, right? a work rate merchant. Yeah. Turns no? out he's on sync star the yes. entire time. Turns out that he's got a bit of an ego and an attitude. Well, we could totally see that, but I didn't think it would affect his training. Messias played and Messias sometimes, you know, you can kind of see that he hasn't been a professional footballer for very long, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he was a cheap solution from Crotone. 
who are currently about to fall to Serie probably. Mm. You know, so so he was definitely not meant to be the starter. Yeah. Speaking of someone who was also not meant to be the starter, we have the guy in the middle, Brahim Diaz. Yep. Brahim Diaz is a good player. He's a nice talent. He's a very tricky little guy. Like he's good. He enters the game better than he starts it. Another 22-year-old, by the way, um, should not have this much pressure on his shoulders. No. He should be the backup. The, the backup. My God, I'm slurring my words. <laughs> the backup of a starting midfielder, of a starting yeah. trequartist. Yeah. Guy, you know. So over here we have. You know, at or at least have someone at his level. Yes, sure, someone to, to rotate with. But the only other guy is Daniel Maldini in that position. Yeah. So, okay, Daniel we have 22-year-old Leao, 22-year-old Diaz, and 30-year-old Messias, who has had two years in the professional flight as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. pretty much, here we have a very, very, very inexperienced three players mm-hmm. behind the striker. Now, and do you want to talk about the striker? The striker, and then Olivier Giroud, is a player who I respect greatly. He's a player who is one of the best at what he does. He's a fantastic finisher. His knockdowns are beautiful. He's a very good player. But, mm-hmm. but, but, but... Here it comes. He's immobile. Yeah. He's extremely immobile. Now, that shouldn't be a problem, but I feel like sometimes the team does not work well around him. And sometimes, to be honest with you, for example, for example, he was head to head with Gary Medell this game. Yep. Gary Medell is what? Sarah's height? Huh. How, how, how tall is Gary Medell? Honestly, oh, he is, isn't he like five? He's foot 171 seven? centimeters. Giroud is 192 centimeters. <laughs> Giroud didn't have a great game, to be honest with you. Like the knockdowns were good, the touches were, was good, the movement was good. But there were moments where I think he should have beaten Medell. But Medell, Medell. Medel is a player I need to praise, but we'll do it later, probably. Should we continue talking about Milan now? I, I want to add a couple of points. Uh, about on, on Bologna, that. for sure. We'll, yeah. we'll get to them later on. Um, when it comes to players who entered the game, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the way Milan were playing, just those long balls, you know, the constant crossing. I think it might have been a good idea to keep Giroud in and add Ibrahimovic alongside and maybe have two men in the box against Bologna's low block, you know, Samaro, Medel and Theat. Um Bring on Rebic, bring on Florenzi, you know, but Florenzi came on and tore his meniscus, his, in, his lateral meniscus, was no, it? I, I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even uh, sure. I'm not sure, but that's basically his, his, se- month, his season over, um, essentially. But yes, unfortunately, Milan could not find a solution over here. Bologna were absolutely magnificent. Bro. No, they were good. I just want to add on, on your point of the problem with, with Milan finding goals. So, like you said, three inexperienced men behind behind Olivier behind Olivier Giroud. Now, I don't think that Milan's obsession with large, immobile, experienced strikers is doing them a world of good. You may ask why. So, behind Giroud, there's Brahim Diaz. Now, it would be great if Giroud could knock the ball down to someone who could take a shot and score. Mm-hmm. It would be great if he could play the ball through and Diaz could outmuscle a defender and put the ball at the back of the net or at least test the keeper. But simply, there aren't the resources around Giroud to allow him to be an effective player, which he was with at Arsenal, at Chelsea, and he has been, but when the correct players on the correct form were playing around him. Instead... Because Brahim is struggling in that position, what are Milan doing? They're opting for the wings. And that is where it is becoming very, very predictable. 
early crosses. Don't cross, faint, cut in, and then cross. Don't cross, take it to the byline, then cross. And Giroud, for his size, he is simply not winning enough headers. He is not scoring headers, he's not winning headers in that area. Mm-hmm. I think Milan are incredibly wasteful because every single chance they get, because I don't think Milan are too wasteful. I think every single Milan chance very I think every single chance Milan get is a fucking half chance. I didn't see a clear cut opportunity. I never saw someone clean through on goal in this game. Um, there was a header of Giroud that was a good save that, by Skorupski. Uh, that's what I was going Otherwise, to say. well, there was a Tomori header as well. That, that was pretty much what, clean from through. across, from dude, across, from, from a corner, from, from across, from a Gets corner. It, I think uh, it was. from a, from a corner. What what intelligence or or good style of play got him into that position and made that a clear cut scoring opportunity? I want to see a good through ball by someone and the striker is clean through on goal to well, score. How can you give a through ball if the team you're playing against? Pretty much has a low block for the whole game. You know what you I mean? You carry the players out with you. There are things you can do to get a player clean through on goal. This can't keep on happening against teams with the low block. You see teams scoring against teams with a low block. Milan had 33 scoring opportunities. None of them were clear cut. That's no, that's true. Yeah, that's I true. promise you, there was a there was a sheer, a severe lack of creativity this game. Um, I did like Rebic when he came on, even though the commentator on BT Sport decided he hated him. Yeah, because he's an idiot. He kept saying, Rebic, what was he saying? Like, he said he doesn't know what happened to Rebic recently. Yeah, he doesn't know what happened, he's been playing really bad. And then when there's something not quite right with Rebic, uh, I don't know. Like, bro, there's something not quite right with Rebic all the time. Like Exactly. Like, oh, he's sweet but a psycho. And then yes. he moved to the right and he's like, maybe he'll be better there. And then he almost scored a header, he towered over Sao Mauro and, and, and he was like... That was close. You know what I mean? Say the man jumped well. Rebic made Milan better when he came mm-hmm. on. For sure. He replaced Messias. We had two left-sided wingers. They were shifting position around, either trying to be unpredictable or maybe none of them could find their feet on the right-hand side. I think Leo was decent on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. I, was, I do he think fine. he was he decent. Was um, I think Calabria was a little bit limited this game. He wasn't great. He Calabria, hasn't been great Calabria had a decent, a semi-decent chance. Mm. When he struck the ball and went just wide, but ah, the, the, yes, the angle, he had two options. The angle he was two options. Tight. The had, angle was too. He tight. shouldn't have shot. Yeah, maybe he had Giroud at the far post and someone dropping off. I, I forgot who it was, but there was someone right past mm. the penalty. Um, maybe spot. he shouldn't have shot. Maybe he shouldn't mm. have shot. But anyway, is it time for a Castillo relaunch? <laughs> you know what, man? Um, if Salamakers isn't training well and Messias is off form. And, you know, Castillo is obviously training well Because if there's something that Castillo is, is He's professional mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't complain He works hard And he, he'll put in a shift if he's called upon There are seven games left That spot is available Why not, man? I mean, he was brought on against Hellas Verona yes, In that and, miraculous and, 3-2 comeback And, and he, he changed did the bits game. And yes. purely praised him after the game. He said, maybe I should fucking play him a bit more. He's, he suffered a lot in his career because of me, he said. Fucking bring him on. Try him out. Fucking right, give, man. Give he him has a something shout. to prove. We honestly. need someone who wants to come in and fucking prove himself. That's what For we sure. need. Not There's no one to replace Leao. There's no one to replace Diaz. Giroud, there's Zlatan. You know what I mean? But none of mm. them are exactly fucking fighting and training their asses off for, for their place. Yeah. Bring someone on like Samu. He fucking wants it. He'll come on. He'll put on a fucking show. It's true, it's true. Um, honestly, at this point, I'll consider it. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I, I would consider it. 
for sure, for sure. Now let's shift our focus to Bologna okay. a little bit. Um, now obviously there, there's that terrible scenario where where Mihailovic is unwell. Gonna be a bit selfish here and ask you, with the emotion and the fire inside of the players, is it gonna help them get better results? No, of course, of course, particularly in this one because it was the first one. You know, they mm-hmm. this was their moment to do something for their manager. Yeah, you know. And they did, quite frankly. And we've seen Bologna, how they've been playing prior to this. Mm. We labelled them as the team to play against right now alongside Empoli. Exactly. The two exactly. teams that aren't really victory. in danger of falling. They have no aspirations. They're pra- basically already at the beach. Like, mm. you know, um, the two sides to play against. But, mm. um, but no, that wasn't the case this game. You know, we saw Hickey playing as a right wing back instead of a left wing back. He was inverted. He looked looked fantastic. He looked so good, man, honestly. Yeah. Um, We saw Sao Mauro, Medel and Theat put in a shift. They had a very good game. Particularly Medel, man. And Theat, man. Theat was was very, very good. He was so involved. You know who was super involved? He's not exactly classy or does anything right in particular. But Dykes, who who hyped him? Yeah. Who gassed Dykes? Why was he so involved? He was he was fighting he was enjoying people. the moment. Yeah, he was playing. He, you could tell he was enjoying the game. He was very very involved, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's enough, man. He had a very good game. True, True definitely. Um, we saw Shouten had had a very good game, man. Yeah, you it know, was weird not seeing Orsolini and Soriano starting, but that midfield worked pretty well, man. It's true. It did. Um, Medel, bro. Is such a warrior. We're talking about a guy over here who, who is literally just work rate the person, grint of the person, aggression the person. We're looking at a player here who's playing center back at what do we say he was? One at one hundred and seventy one centimeters, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he's playing center back, and he's up against Giroud. He's up against Zlatan. You know, he pretty much neutralized Giroud all game. Zlatan came on, he neutralized Zlatan. His positional awareness to put himself in a position to beat these giants at headers and aerial duels was just fantastic to see. You know, he was sliding all over the place. He got up. Zlatan cracked his head open against Medel's mm. forehead. Medel was concussed. He went off in the 82nd minute, but he went off as a hero, honestly. Yeah. That was the best I've ever seen Medel play in my life. Yep. Same, and it is that experience he brings to the Bologna side. He's a good leader to players mm-hmm. like Sam Maura and Theat, who, who could learn a lot from him. Um, particularly, I would say, I would say Theat. He has a bright future ahead of him. Um, how old is Theat? He's, Theat's he's a young, young guy. He's twenty-one years old. Yeah, twenty-one years old. He has a bunch to learn from someone like mm-hmm. Gary Medel. Um, so yeah, he had a very good game. He he neutralized Milan's attack, whether it was Zlatan or, or whether it was Giroud, and all that at, at five foot something. So all the respect in the world to him. The guy is a, a fucking warrior, and that's something yeah. we can't fault him for. Also, shout out to Skorupski. Well done. Yeah, very, very yeah. good game, Skorupski. Very, game. very nice. <laughs> well he had done. seven saves. Seven saves, four of which were... Very good saves. And, and yes. to be honest, it is good to see him performing well because he was getting a lot of stick in the beginning of the season. He was, but he, he has proven himself recently. So Milan are first, one point ahead of Napoli. Bologna, on the other hand, sit in 12th. 
The next game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria nil Roma 1. The reverse fixture ended in a 1-1 draw. Goals scored by Eldor Shomorodov and Manolo Gabbiadini, who has unfortunately torn his ACL and is currently recovering. Wow. Sampdoria were resilient, bro. But Roma narrowly came up 1-0 victors at the Luigi Ferrari Stadium, which was an absolute vibe packed with Sampdoria fans in a <laughs> sea of blue with waving flags. Literally. It was it was lovely to see. Um, Sampdoria failed to remain undefeated by Roma in the top flight for the first time since 2017-2018 under the maestro Giampaolo, (laughs) of course. And Sampdoria are on the longest run without a draw among the current Serie A sides. They have won three and lost nine of their last 12 games. Okay, Jesus Christ. So Sampdoria do not draw. Nope. So if you're placing a bet, just do one or two. Don't, and, uh, don't aren't they? <laughs> literally, literally. And there's oh, they're Genoa's rivals. So they are. polar oh, opposites. Oh my god, polar opposites. You're mm-hmm. right. Holy shit, that's a fucking story. Yeah. Um, the goal came through Mikitarian in the 27th minute when he scored a tap-in after some nice play. Um, it led to the ball being deflected off a defender and into the path of the Armenian who slotted it home. The closest Sampdoria came to finding an equaliser was when Caputo forced Rui Patricio into a fine save um, 20 minutes in. Sorry, that wasn't the closest they got to, to finding an equaliser. It was actually the closest they got to scoring in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, not a, an exciting match for neutral observers, bro, but the victory is still a noteworthy one for Roma as they have extended their unbeaten Serie A run to 10 matches. I, I can't hate on, on Roma anymore for, for them getting these victories. At the end of the day... It's street smart, isn't it? it it's street smart. Um, you know, you don't see a bunch of their players going out injured because they don't exactly, mm. you know, dive into unnecessary challenges again in, in matches like this because they do against the larger teams. But they preserve themselves, they find their opportunities, and more often than not, they, they are taking them. And this is the, we say the Allegri way, we say the Allegri way, but Mourinho is known to be a more conservative kind of um, manager as well. Sure. And Negative even. Exactly. But the fact that he's getting results at Roma now is... A great improvement how he started off the season with Roma. For sure. And we can see, man, that they've learned. They've mastered the Mourinho way of controlling the ball off possession. Facts. You know, they don't have the ball for the majority of the game, but the tempo is completely dictated by them. Yes, sir. And that's that's an impressive thing to do. True. You know? and, and I do feel like Mourinho has given his players an element of criticism. But you look at Mourinho's starting eleven; these are very Mourinho players. They are very, very Mourinho players. From the back three in Mancini, Smalling and Debanez, those are six grandiose testicles right there if I've ever seen them. And that continues with Cristante in the midfield, Oliveira then providing some, you know, long-range passing and all that. Karsdorp and, and Zalewski on, on the sides, an intelligent player like Mkhitaryan, an intelligent player like Pellegrini and a big boy, big mobile boy like Tammy Abraham up front this is a starting 11 that Mourinho can definitely work with and that he has started working with now yes you can see the effects of the Derby della Capitale trashing over Lazio as well bro because these guys are playing a bit more confidently at the moment yeah Um, the the play as well isn't as direct as it once was they are playing the ball around a little bit and they're enjoying a little bit more possession okay and they're still of course content to sit back and win dirty but um but seem, again, as we said, to control the ball out of possession, right? I mean, we're happy when Milan get 1-0, aren't we? Yes, so there we go. So, pow- power to Roma. 
power to sure, Roma. For sure. The reason Milan get one nil is because you know they attack, 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 and can't score. Exactly. While while Roma just kind of just stop attacking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. No. <laughs> Benzema's hat trick against yeah. Chelsea. We're recording on Wednesday, guys. Exactly. Fantastic. Sampdoria are improving, bro, and have saved themselves this season. What do you anticipate from them next year? Um, well, there's a bunch of improvements for them to make, and I feel like a lot of those improvements are in personnel. I believe that they do need some changes. If they're going to hang on to Gianpaolo, which they probably will, I feel like they're going to need some more players that fit his, that fit his system, that, that you know classic attacking midfielder that he's after. They probably got that in Sensi, but... You know, since he does have a tendency of getting injured, so we'll see how it is replaced over there. Um, I do think that Qualiarella's future is to be considered. And with the lack of pace they have up front in Caputo and and um, Qualiarella, I feel like that seriously limits them. Um, I think Thorsby needs to be replaced. I think that Egdal needs to be replaced. I think that Rincon cannot be a starter for them. They have a lot of work to do all around, but mm. it is good to see that John Paolo at least is getting better performances from his players. True, they they played a decent game of football this this mm. time round. Um, you could see at the end of the game, bro, Pellegrini's time wasting antics. <laughs> you can pretty much credit that to to Jose Mourinho. Okay, oh, of course, sure. we saw we saw Pellegrini walking off the pitch there for you right next to him. He stops to like take off his shin guards then he walks a bit more he takes off his captain's arm and mm. he stops again you know he even got booked for it like but of it's course. so ridiculous how long it took it is it is and, and Mourinho does bring that in players you remember with Real Madrid he made Xabi Alonso and Sergio Ramos get a second ah, yellow yes. card and, and then the wink the, right there yeah, was a famous yeah, yeah. wink so uh, Mourinho does get he mm. does make his players a bit dirtier and to be honest some players do need it and the team yes. do need those characters these players are becoming more streetwise, thanks to Mourinho, of course. Mm. Um, the ones that he hasn't completely sidelined and axed and destroyed their confidence, yeah. at least. Um, we saw recently um, Tammy Abraham's interview with Marco Messina. Shout out to him, Marco yeah. Marco. Um, he's doing a very, very I good job. I fucking love Marco. He's doing a well great done, job. Well done, Marco. Look at you, bro. Honestly, look... Look at you. Look at you, man. Um, Fucking right. He told him that he's constantly in awe of Mourinho and he hasn't quite gotten used to him yet. Like, he hasn't, oh, yeah, he hasn't become that. like, you know, ah, it's, it's the coach, you know, it's exactly. still Mourinho. He's like, <gasps> every time exactly. he sees him. My God, imagine just working in an office and Mourinho's yeah. your fucking boss. I'm doing something, I promise. I'm doing something. That would be terrible. Now, bro, I'm going to go on like my tops and flops for this game. I organized a little list. Okay, Chris nice. Smalling and Mkhitaryan were brought in in 2019 and they were both great this game. Now, Smalling started the season relatively poorly, um, especially compared to how he, how well he was playing when he first joined, right? Mm. Um, he was coming off of an injury to be fair. Yes, well. but he always is. Yeah. It was feared that it have to depart, but he has found fresh legs and consistency in 2022. He played 90 minutes this game, completed 94% of his passes, including four Fuck. long balls, six clearances, Fuck. three blocked shots, and one crucial interception. Fuck, and yeah. a 6.9 rating to show for that. <laughs> Mkhitaryan also played the entire match, scoring, completing 85% of his passes, including 4 out of 5 long balls. Um, he also chipped in a key pass, played 3 balls in the final third and 2 more in the penalty area while clearing 5 balls, intercepting 2 passes and completing 2 tackles. Honestly, Mkhitaryan has been an absolute machine lately. When's he gonna slow down, Mkhitaryan? 
What's he, he gonna he's one of down? those that can three years of age he he'll does be, conserve his energy well though to be yeah fair, he'll be one of those that he will suddenly just lose it a little yes, bit yes. but it it would be like all of a sudden it won't be a progress um but i feel like he's so technically gifted i feel like mm. in the later stages of his career he'd be a bit like a, and i'm going to compare him to a striker here but a bit like a dimitar berbatov you know what i oh, mean so. In, in the sense that he, he will never lose his touch ah. as, a, as a footballer. But fitness and, and all of that might become, might become an issue of and course. streakiness might become evident. Yes, I think the fitness part of it is the biggest problem. Like, mm. But, you know, if he conserves his game, if his, like, his energy well throughout the game, we could see him do another two seasons at Roma, to yeah, be honest especially, with Yeah, especially in Serie A. We see players mm. do that in Serie A. But, but, you know, a move to Turkey, a move to the US might be, might be an option in the future. Yes. Um, Cristante also had a good game. His future is up in the air. Of course, 27 years old, rumoured to be wanted by Juve and a hint... Um, at his former club Milan has also been um, sorry a move to his former club Milan has also yeah, been hinted yeah yeah. so we'll, we'll see what happens to him I um, think, personally I, think, I wouldn't want him at Milan I think Cristante would be an asset everywhere he goes because he is versatile mm-hmm. and because you know what you get with Cristante I feel yes. like if someone signs Cristante it is because they want exactly what Cristante brings to the table I yes. think the fact that he was Brought on for the national team during the Euros goes to show for that as well. But he's the only kind of player of his type that Italy have. Italy don't have another big midfielder. It's as simple as that. Like no, I mean, I mean that that is true. But he was called up. He played well when, when mm-hmm. he came on. He's aggressive. He's large. He wins headers. He can play he has the an ball around goal as well yeah. decently. Yeah. He gets a few goals here and there. True, you true. could pop him in that centre back when when needed as well. Cristante is versatile. He's, he's the a good player. Italian Krunich. Exactly, literally the Italian Krunich. <laughs> Rui Patricio has reached Samir Handanovic's clean sheet tally on 13. Spectacular when called upon, saving three shots, two from inside the area. Yeah, very good keeper. Very good keeper. The players who weren't at the races this game for Roma were probably Tammy Abraham. He missed the sitter when he stole mm-hmm. the ball from Audero and couldn't quite convert it. Yeah. It was awkward, to be honest. He was off balance, but he should have still done better there. He kind mm-hmm. of rushed it and he really I mean, balance the is a trait people have. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sergio Oliveira was probably the worst player for Roma by, by far actually he failed to register a single shot on goal he failed to register a key pass he failed to register a block an interception or a clearance he had one tackle all game and one completed cross from five attempts he was absent he wasn't at the races today at all yeah. um, Oliveira and I think they have an option on him bro not an obligation so I wouldn't even be surprised if we randomly saw them sending him back to Porto uh, that, that would be it, it would be quite bold from them. I think Oliveira, for his first season in Serie A, coming in halfway through the season, I think he's done, he's done, a, decent, he's done a decent job. Um, obviously, he's not a young guy. Mm-hmm. Oliveira, 29, 29 years old. But, you know, if you lose Veretu, let's say they, they get rid of Veretu, then literally for the set pieces, 
they might want to hang on to Oliveira. Now, I know they have yeah. Pellegrini as well for the set pieces. And Veretout, yeah, I guess. But, but, uh, but if they remove said, yeah, Veretout, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I think Oliveira is a decent player, but yeah, he wasn't at the races in this game at all. Not at all. Um, Zalewski was solid once again, and Shomorodov, I'm just sad to see that he's kind of ended up turning into this 10-minute cameo type of player because he's 26 years old, you know, he was bought for about 20 million or something. And I really thought that he was kind of a Mourinho-esque type of player. Yeah, but same here, same here. And and, and he showed us glimpses of, of brilliance this year as well, but mm. we do tend to see this with strikers for Roma, like Borja Mayoral ended up being as well. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, they have, they have Tammy up front. And, and to be honest, anyone they could find similar to Tammy to... You know, Tammy doesn't get injured much. He so doesn't. They, they need someone similar to him. I think that Shumorodov does bring that. He brings the size and, and he's quite mobile for his size as well. So, yep, we don't see him much. But because Tammy is that good. But when called upon, I, I think I think he's a, he's a good shout for them. Maybe. The problem is, you know, let's say Abraham tears his meniscus, for example. You know, since that's a relatable injury. <laughs> and he's out for a month. And you have to play, I don't know, the likes of... Inter, the likes of Hellas Verona, let's say, and Sassuolo in this month, yeah. for example. And you have Shomorodov up front, you know, in the form he's in right now. That's not very, very I, I, exciting. I, leave it, I, will, I would leave it up to Mourinho to call upon a young player or to buy a young player out of nowhere, splash 50 million on him because yes. Mourinho does that. And, and, and he'll the be next Drogba. Exactly, the, the next Drogba. Okay, Roma have two matches this week, one against Bodo Glimt and one against Salernitana. Of course, we'll see what they manage to do. Against Bodo Glimt? Yes. Were they embarrassed by Bodo Glimt earlier earlier this year? Yes, they were. They were. They were. They they, they, they lost fucking five something, if yes, I'm not, yes, I'm not yes, mistaken. They got, they got destroyed yeah. by them, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, was it Lazio? No, it was Roma, I think. It was Roma, it was Roma. Okay. Roma are fifth, bro, five points below Juve, while Sampdoria are 16th, seven points from the drop. So the next game we're going to be covering is Lazio 2, Sassuolo 1. Now, stylistically, this was one of my favorite matches that was lined up this weekend, which is a hilarious claim to make, but I'm being serious. Now, with Lazio coming off an embarrassing 3-0 loss in the Derby della Roma, and Sassuolo coming off a convincing 4-1 victory against Spezia, and four wins in their last five, this game was not one to be slept on. Sassuolo had won the previous encounter in this match, two goals to one, Marking three wins out of their last four at the time against Lazio. Now three out of their last five, of course. This matchup is one of the highest scoring in Serie A, with 61 goals in their last 18 encounters. Berardi was replaced by De Frel on the right-hand side due to a thigh injury, and Mattias Akanyi returned to the starting eleven after his ban. Now, in the 17th minute, Lazzari opened the scoring after a misplaced pass by Ferrari was picked up by the Italian man himself on the halfway line. He carried the ball forward, skipped past Henrique as he cut in and placed the ball in the bottom corner from just outside the area. The Italian wingback looked inspired from the get-go. He even had an attempt earlier on and he almost assisted earlier on as well. Now, just before the half-hour mark, a cross by Traore found the head of Fratesi, whose header had Strakosha rooted to the spot but could only hit the inside of the post. In the 51st minute, and then a beautiful goal by Milinkovic Savic. It was a low cross from Luis Alberto from a free kick, which was placed perfectly between Sassuolo's defense and landed right to Savic, who found himself literally clean through on goal. The faintest of touches from the Serb was enough to put the ball past Consigli. 
There was some serious claims for an offside, which seemed likely at the time. It did look like it was an offside position, but a VAR check ruled the goal totally legal. And, you know, looking at the replays, it was clear and it was a fantastic, fantastic goal. Soon later, Luis Alberto struck the woodwork from a corner. It was a crazy fucking attempt by him. And in the 94th minute, Sassuolo got one back from Traore. So Tolian's deflected cross was flicked on by the head of substitute Samele, and the ball fell to Traore, who was totally unmarked as he placed the ball past Trakosha, who managed to get a touch to it, but it wasn't enough. Acerbi, very poor to leave him onside. The defensive line was perfect, except for the Italian veteran. So... Pretty end-to-end stuff, bro, in this game, with Sassuolo actually out-shooting Lazio 20-14. to hmm. Lazio are a good side. This was never going to be an easy game for Sassuolo. We both mm. predicted a draw over here. Mm. How much of a big result is this for Lazio? Um, let's see. Currently, Lazio have 31 games played and 52 points. So mm-hmm. when it comes to their European aspirations, this was a massive, massive, massive victory for them. Okay, first of all, they kept they kept Sassuolo down. Sassuolo aren't really a threat right now for the European spots. No, but, um, no. But they managed to to stay on par with Roma, you know. And the, we're talking about Roma reaching Juve. Mm-hmm. You know, Lazio are two points off of Roma. You know, they've jumped yeah. Atalanta at this point, who have a game in hand, granted. But um, this min- win was massive for them and massive for their morale as well, considering what happened to them in the Derby della Capitale. And Sassuolo's form as well at the moment. They yes. won four out of their last five. So Lazio, in my opinion, did a great job to, to keep the, the result. They at, were fortunate to not have to face Berardi, though, because Berardi, of oh, course. 100%. They had, Would know, have been a different game. Gregoire de Frel down the right yeah. instead, which is, you know, landslides away from the player that Berardi is. Now, Immobile missed a few chances. How much does his perf- bad performances for Italy affect his confidence in the league for Lazio? Um, that's a good question. Probably nice. a lot, man. Probably a lot. I mean, of course, like it's totally psychological. But then the thing is, I wonder how it's applied to him. You know, like for example, is it when he puts on the Italy kit? You know, is it mm. when he enters the the Olympico? Maybe he's like, okay, this is where I'm a beast. Mm. You know, mm. so I I don't know, of course, what goes on in his head. You know, it'd be interesting to hear him talking about the the struggles of his of his career um, in yeah. the future. Eventually, when he opens up about it, if he ever opens up about it, I'd, I'd be totally totally keen to hear. You know, come on the podcast yeah. tomorrow. Come, We've got yeah. a couple of questions for you, dude. Yeah. We love you and respect you, but we're gonna ask you some tough ones. <laughs> come on, Chiro. Um, he's gonna get me a kid this year. You know. No, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, you know, that, that, you know, getting knocked out before even reaching the World Cup would do his confidence bullshit like. So there are a couple of good saves in this match. The data points Kamaka was clean through on goal and he tried to chip Strakosha, who did, who did brilliantly to save. Consiglia had an acrobatic save from a Marusic attempt. The amount of great goalkeepers that we find in, in this league is just ridiculous, man. It's not even a joke, like... It is, man. It really is. And Consili is one of the top ones. There must be something weird about him as a person to have never been we considered for the national He wanks team. in the showers, yes. in, the, in, the, in the changing rooms. <laughs> for sure. stop like, touching himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that has to be it, because there's no way he doesn't get called up, especially with Papa Roma at the, yeah. at the moment. Um, Sassuolo take on Papa Roma Donna Roma is going to be called up regardless of how many mistakes yes, he yes, made, of, of course, course. Of course. No, the thing is serious you know I wonder like 
he must be Sirigu. We've, spoke uh, we've spoken about this a million times. Like um, Sirigu has the personality for the dressing room. Um, Donnarumma has the starting spot, of course. And then there's Meret. Now why is Meret there, man? He doesn't start. He doesn't man. even start at club. Start. Italy. Two out of Italy's three goalkeepers don't, don't start, start at club level. Exactly. Exactly. And then there's Crown, you're just making save after his. <laughs> and his fucking Consili as well, just save after save, his fucking penalty after penalty, is saving everything. And, yeah. you know, he's calling up Merit. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, Consili has gotten Sassuolo out of some tricky and sticky situations this season. Yeah. He, he really has been. He's had that Mike Manian effect. in the, your mouth while, while speaking. Pretty much, dude. Nice. Um, Sassuolo are on 43 points and Verona are on 45. They play the same amount of matches. Who takes ninth, Sassuolo or Verona? Ninth, Sassuolo. Ooh. Ooh. That's a battle. So they both have very difficult fixtures remaining. Um, Who can rise to the occasion? Um, I like what Tudor is doing. Um, I think Tudor's season has been overall more consistent than Dionysi's season. Um, the tough fixtures actually make me think that Sassuolo have a chance of finishing ahead of them because they rise <laughs> to the occasion every time. That's true. But um, I do think that Verona will take the ninth spot. What about yeah. you, bro? Fair enough. Um, I'm going to be different and say I think Sassuolo take it. Shut up. Nah, I'm not confident enough okay. to make a bet, but I do think that Sassuolo, because of their performances against the... I, I think they're... Ooh, but Verona are so much more consistent. They are so much more consistent than Sassuolo. But Sassuolo are on a better run of form. I would say Sassuolo. Okay. I would cool. say Sassuolo. Cool. Um, we'll speak about a bet later. We could see what we can cool. do for the pod. Maybe we'll, we'll get each other something. three kits this fucking season. <laughs> um, Lazio, just obviously they, they did have that terrible defeat recently against against Roma and the Derby and that would have harmed their confidence a little bit. But the way they bounced back in this speaks volumes about where they are as a club and they really have improved. We've spoken about Luis Alberto being under criticism from Sarri in the beginning of the season and now he's in full flow fantastic player that brilliant assist from the free kick very similar to Insigne's Milinkovic-Savic is the best midfielder it's, in the I league I was about to ask you if you think he's the best midfielder in he's the league he's the best midfielder in the league I think he's the most complete midfielder in the league for sure yeah yeah and I really don't want to see him move to the Prem but I think it's inevitable I think oh it's that's the problem when you when you negotiate with someone like Claudio Lotito he's <clears> going to treat the Italian teams like shit and sell for a favorable sum to the Premier League you know yeah. of course many many teams in Italy do this they really raise the prices for local teams mm-hmm. um, it makes sense for them cuz to not lose a player to a direct rival but then it, it's just frustrating you know seeing the talent yeah. lo- lo- leaving the league Lazzari had a good game. He was also under fire in the beginning of the season. Uh-huh. Do you think that he's still in risk of getting a transfer out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, considering the way he's been playing, bro, um, I, I don't think that it would be for tactical reasons. You remember Sari saying that Lazzari does not fit his system? Mm. Um, so it, it shouldn't be for tactical reasons anymore. But maybe if they fell out heavily at the beginning of the season, I just said, listen, let's finish the season as professionals and we'll part ways at the end. Mm. That might be, that, that might, might have happened. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think that they've, they've seemed to figure it out. Yeah, they, it, it does seem like it's the case. And he's going to, 
you know, Sarri is going to be scratching his head <laughs> what he's going to do with Lazzari at the end of the season. Because if he keeps on playing like this, then there's no way I would personally let him go. Um, I do think that Lazio need improvement in the defensive area. For sure, think, definitely. definitely. Their centre-backs are abysmal. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's definitely work that needs to be done. But other than that, obviously Lazio have improved greatly. And I'm excited to see them next season with another full season with Sarri in charge. Lazio are in six. They're still ahead of Atalanta due to them having a game in hand. And Sassuolo are in tent on 43 points. The next game took place between Fiorentina and Empoli and ended 1-0 to Fiorentina. Um, the reverse fixture saw Empoli actually snatch a last-minute equaliser along with a last-minute winner at the end. Remember that? Um, to completely yeah. upset um, Fiorentina. It was Bandinelli and Pinamonti who scored the, mm. the late goals. Very, very crazy sexy very time. <laughs> <laughs> So, coming into this game, Empoli had won four of their previous six matches against Fiorentina. That's actually quite impressive. They Jesus. lost twice, having won just two of the 17 before that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Empoli failed to get their first ever double over Fiorentina. That would have been nice for them. Not to mention, by the way, this is a derby. This is a derby, a is Tuscan this? derby. Oh, yes, okay. the derby dell'Arno. So yeah. that would have been nice to get the, a double over arrival, basically. Yeah, yeah. Piontek was injured for this one, so we saw Cabral up front, and this was also Pinamonti's 100th Serie A game. Now, bro, just click Pinamonti for a second there. Let's see, scroll down. Exactly, he's 22 years old. To be 22 and have 100 Serie A appearances... That's fucking mayhem, ...is pretty bro. good. That pretty is good, mayhem. for sure. For sure. Now... Um, in the play-by-play, Di Francesco scored a stunning overhead kick in the first half, but the goal was ruled out for a foul on the goalkeeper mm. by Pinamonti. He must have been livid. <laughs> in the early stages of the second half, Cabral's goal was flagged offside. He looked so happy to score that guy, man. He's the hungriest man in the world. Hey, hey. In the 57th minute, Luperto got a second yellow for a reckless challenge on Nico Gonzalez. His second red in Serie A. The first one came back in November 2021 against Torino. Now, Gonzalez won the free kick in the 57th minute. In the 58th minute, Gonzalez scored thanks to a Biragi assist. Now, what a player he has been, bro. Um, Nico, right? Yes. Fiorentina did really well to close this game out and to take the three points home. They have kept their European hopes alive. Um, but please, bro, Nico Gonzalez in his first say, uh, season at 24 has had his ups and downs. Overall, would you say he has adapted nicely? His third goal since joining. I wouldn't say adapted nicely is the perfect term to use. But he has proven that he is capable of doing it. Now it's a matter of just staying consistent while he's doing it. Now he can't stay consistent and get goals every single match, obviously. But, you know, he, he has had some serious downs and that does scare me in the sense that I might think that he has a slight mentality problem. Mm. And we've seen him have, have attitude issues. He's been sent off for complaining mm. this year as well. So I think if he brushes that up, it does increase the chances of him being more consistent. And I think that is good news for Italiano and good news for Fiorentina. Yes, um, the... Italian league, bro, is not an easy one to walk into, right? As we've mentioned, no, no league for a foreigner is easy to walk into. Um, Tomori, area. Tomori recently said that um, the Premier League, for example, is like a basketball game because mm. it's end-to-end. End-to-end, yeah. And then he said that the Italian league is like 
an American football game mm. with plays. That's you know, interesting. Play, stop, play, stop, yeah. play, stop, like like that. And it's kind of it's kind of true. It's a very interesting comment to make, and and that is that is true. Now we know that Nico Gonzalez came from the German league, which is very mm. different as well. Yeah, very physical. Mm-hmm. You know, quite fast paced too. Um, so yes, I think for his first season, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. It can only get better. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I, I like the Tomori analogy. I always said that the Premier League is Mike Tyson and Serie A's Floyd Mayweather. So you have you have a guy that, that is swinging for the fences and the other one that's kind of defensive and, and picks his punches. Yeah. And, and yeah, that would be that would be my analysis. I usually say that Serie A is the godfather and the Premier League is the Avengers. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. I might use it. But anyway... Um, Cabral has goals in him, bro. And even though he isn't hasn't been scoring as much, you know, since since joining halfway through the season, you can tell that this guy is on the verge of blowing up. Yeah, I think so. His attitude is definitely in the right place. I'm sure he has a great work ethic on the training ground yeah. as well. He'll be creaming for it, man. There was a point, bro. This cross came in. I think it was a Biragi cross. And it went between Cabral and Gonzalez. And you just see them both jump in the air and they're trying to overhead kick it. Like, none of them hit Oh, it. I remember. That was Not a so single funny, player man. got it. But, like, Not he's so hungry. And there yeah. was a point where I think Sotil, was it? Did they bring on Sotil? Can you confirm? Yes, yes they, they did. did. Sotil was clean through with Cabral sprinting wide open, screaming for the ball. But he went for the shot instead. And I Cabral was so pissed off, you know. Yeah, you have yeah. to play he's, him. The ball, he's yeah. a, play him he's the ball. an intimidating figure. Yeah. It's it's a pity for him that Piontek has decided to step up the way he did. But Cabral will have his moments to shine. He's that he caliber of a player that he needs to get minutes. I see him even benching Piontek in the future. In the future, yes, like like ooh, even ne- I'm talking future, like for... next season. I'm I'm talking Cabral might bench Piontek. I mean, Piontek does have that inevitable dip in him, and. Whilst Piontek might be dipping, then Cabral might be improving. So mm-hmm. that is definitely something we can see at the start of next season. Definitely a nice problem to have for Fiorentina. Hey. Since Vlaovic's departure, however, bro, Fiorentina have only scored two or more goals in a single game on two separate occasions. They have been heavily impacted from it, even looking at their performances. Like, they were more of a of an offensive side with Vlaovic in the team mm-hmm. because that having that structure up front with that but size it's the same that pace, it's, they're that still playing for a striker it's still Itali- exactly and it's still italiano ball so it's not like they have a they have a massive problem but they they lost fucking Dusan Vlaovic who all right you, you look at him at Juve now obviously still a great fantastic player but you can't compare his performances at Fiorentina to the ones he's having at Juve now they had Vlaovic at his best and they lost him and they're still fucking doing well man and that goes to show great team even better manager in my opinion definitely bro 100% especially when you compare to when you compare this Fiorentina to the Fiorentina we saw last year the Fiorentina we saw the year before much improved much improved last year's Fiorentina was fucking terrible man and the players were good that's the problem it's fucking Come mm. is so so stubborn, man. Yeah, to keep yeah. fucking Yakini there. What's he doing? Like literally, and, and Ribery was was somewhat an inverted comma of a star man in the team. He, he, did, he drove Milan crazy. That's true. But That's anyway. true. on his day. On his day. Now, bro, this is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. If I do say so myself, <laughs> um, Empoli started off the season insanely well. Everyone's praising them. Everyone's yeah. 
praising Andrea Zoli, saying that this is a team with with personality. They have massive balls. (laughs) Serie A Spotlight named episode three after Andrea Zoli's balls. (laughs) You know, everything is going really well for them. But since the midway point of the season, they haven't won a single game, right? No. Um, Every single week, the stats keep going up. It's been this long. It's been this long. It's been this long. Continuity is key. But should they maybe consider a new manager for the upcoming season? Yes. Why? I think it's as simple as that. I think it's a it's a cold hard yes. I think we could see what the team is capable of, and once they stop delivering that, you could do one of two things. You could either blame the squad, mm-hmm. or you could blame the manager. Now, Empoli are a newly promoted side. They've gotten what they needed to get to this stage. Andrea Zoli helped them survive, and he's done bits for them. Now. It seems like they're a bit figured out or they're under-ambitious. Whether it's the players or whether it's the manager, the players need someone to motivate them a bit more and maybe someone a bit more modern, someone that can play against a team, so that can read the team that they're playing against and make the necessary adjustments. Do I feel like Andrea Zoli has been that guy? No. I think Empoli shocked the league because they played recklessly, and they were offensive and they didn't give a fuck. And now they're kind of figured out and it's biting them in the ass a little bit. I think with a new manager and a bit of a new system in place, that'll help keep Empoli up and it'll get the best out of their players. I'm going to disagree with you and say they should keep him and give him what he wants. And give him half a season to see what he can do. Okay. You know? I mean, the objective for Empoli this year was survival. Now, how survival is done shouldn't really matter, you know? I mean, you know, had he had it been the other way around, he lost every single game at the beginning of the season and then went on the run that they had at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the other way around, people would be like, oh, for sure, renew yeah. Andrea Zoli. No. Their goal for this season was survival. What's their goal for next season? Survival. Survival or to improve, to get no, to what get they had, to get the foundation that they had and improve it. I think every team's goal every season should be to get more points than the previous season. Exactly. So I think with Andrea Zoli, they might be able to do that. Okay. I don't, I don't think they can because we're seeing a dip from them. We Maybe. saw them start off well, they're dipping, they're dipping, they're dipping. But with the correct tools, the correct transfers, maybe a cheeky loan move, you know, you bring in, I don't know, man, you bring in Eldor Shomorodov to play up front on loan, you know what I mean? You or, bring in these guys. Or you do all that and you get a progressive manager or just a new manager, to be honest, that can help improve the side and, and elevate their performances and have a full preseason with him. I just lay out the groundwork and, and, and be a better team. Yeah. I, 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 I think Andrea Zoli's time, you know, it's not, it's not up. He's been there for six months and, and he's done great up until January. But whilst everyone was improving, they were dipping. And that is the January slash Christmas and New Year curse. But their goal for next season should be to improve. And I think one of the improvements that could be made and the obvious one is to the manager. Fair enough, fair enough, bro. You will see what they do. We'll see what happens. The 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 we fucking bet, bet. the best thing about this, bro, is that what we're talking about, we're gonna see and we have receipts. 
So it's always fun. Matty has yawned in the past 10 minutes 74 times. I don't know if you realize, bro. That's a a statistic. Trash. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've. I've, Well, I'm also trash, man. Nice. It's been fucking exhausting. It has been exhausting. Not this podcast, guys. No, no. I'm working till half seven every day, person. We've both been very, very busy. Me busier, but anyway. No, I think I think I think I've been busier. Yeah, actually, actually, <laughs> actually, no, me. Like I'm working later. Um, Igor. Igor, thanks to him, I have a pl- no, no. <laughs> Igor, Igor is turning into a very good player for Fiorentina, bro. Yes, um, I agree. He's stepped up. You know, he's looking even better than Milinkovic nowadays. So mm-hmm. nice to see Igor like settling in, doing really well, proving himself, stepping up. And nice to see that Fiorentina have kept their dreams of European qualification alive. They are currently in 8th with 50 points, while... um, Where are they? Empoli are 14th with 33 points. So the next game we're going to be covering is Verona 1, Genoa 0. So Genoa getting their first loss in around 8 matches over there. Now, Genoa are coming off what was just their second victory of the season and were unbeaten in their last 8 under Blessin. Verona were coming off a 1-1 away draw to Empoli, a disappointing result for them despite being winless in their last three. Coming into this game, the, these sides had drawn each of their last three Serie A meetings and Verona had only beaten Genoa once in their last 11 matches as they drew five and lost five. Crazy stats, blood. Antonin Barak, Kevin Lasagna, Gianluca Frabotta and Davidovic were out of action while the visitors had Ostegaard suspended, Van Hoisden, Bani, Cambiasso and Rovella all injured. Now, the only goal of the match was scored by Simeone in the fifth minute. So as Verona piled pressure forward early on, as they always do, Genoa's defence was in shambles as Bessa played a through ball to Simeone who poked the ball past Sirigu and got his 16th goal of the season. Now, Genoa are an actual force to be reckoned with. They did not make this game easy for Verona at all. Verona got that goal in the fifth minute and Genoa were being tough motherfuckers to play against. They got a few chances themselves. They were a bit fortunate in some of the occasions mm-hmm. not to concede themselves. Um, but obviously they, they stayed in the game and they piled pressure forward for, you know, 85 minutes pretty much. Um, they even had more possession than their yes, rivals. And we never see that. No, no I mean... Not not often, but that's what Verona do so well. They they get that early goal, and then they're either gonna follow up or they're gonna hold on to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. With this Genoa team in place, so nine matches under Blessing, they've had seven draws, one victory, and one loss. Do you think Genoa get the better of Cagliari? What's happening here? Uh, Who's gonna get relegated? Bro? Uh, <laughs> God, here we go. Here we go again. Why do I listen to this? <laughs> um, who's gonna get relegated, man? Right now, right now, Genoa are the best team in the bottom six, seven. Gegenpress, baby. Yes, in the bottom seven, Genoa are the best team. So I might agree with you there. I mean, they're better than Empoli right now. They're better than Spezia right now, even though Spezia might fucking beat them 1-0, who knows? Yeah. They're better than Sampdoria. They're better than Cagliari, Venezia, and Salernitana, for sure. Those three, Mm -hmm. they're much better than Mm -hmm. them. So, you know, can they recover from their dreadful start? 
possibly. They have Blessine at the wheel, baby. Mm-hmm. And Blessine with his fucking gagging press mini clop looking motherfucking ass. <laughs> he can fucking get this done for sure, man. You know? Literally. And we've seen Genoa come up and fucking survive every year. They're like herpes, man. You know, yeah. they just don't go, man. Are they the team with the least wins this season? Go back on the table. They've got... They are the team with... Two the wins. least wins. They are the this team season. with the least wins this season. Holy shit! But wow. then they have sixteen draws, which is mental. That is fucking crazy, man. They're the team with the most draws. Yeah, of course. And they all came in a row on their blessing. So I'm gonna need to mention it. Go for it. I am gonna need to mention it. So this is something that I didn't know about Porta Nova. Oh yes. Originally. I only know now that it's resurfaced and basically he's, he's in a world of trouble again. So it was last year in June where Portanova was placed under house arrest for allegedly participating in a group rape with three other men, including a relative and a minor on a 21-year-old woman in a flat in Siena. Last week it was announced that Portanova's case had been remanded and he will therefore be going to trial now. Originally, I think that not only if someone is going to trial, bro, but if uh, if someone has allegedly committed such an act of crime and something so terrible and so devastating, then they shouldn't be on the pitch. It made me feel uncomfortable hearing the commentator praising Portanova, saying how he came up through the ranks at Juve and moved to Atalanta and this and that and what a talented player he is. That kind of made me feel uncomfortable and it made me feel uncomfortable, let alone victims and, and so on and so forth. But Alleged, let's just allegedly. say, allegedly, allegedly, let's just say, I hope that justice prevails. And yes. if he did commit such a crime, then I hope he never sees a pitch again and I hope he never sees the light of day again yes of course these things are are never nice to see they're never nice to read of course there are things that are part of the reality that we live in yeah um so hopefully again justice will be served and the right um outcome is reached exactly exactly but we won't be talking much more about this obviously we are a, a football podcast and 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 you know nothing nothing more than that so verona However, as good as Genoa were and as good as they have been, Verona managed to get away with three points. They got their classic early goal. It was Giovanni Simeone that got the goal, 16th goal of the season. You think it's a it's a positive campaign for him, but in how many games has he scored? I don't even know, bro. <laughs> like what? That's a five. Very good point. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true as fuck. He tends to um, what's binge score. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. it. That's it. That's hilarious. It's his personal best, most likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure it is. So, good job to him. And let's hope that the trajectory is one of an upwards nature. Yeah. What is it with Verona getting these early goals? Because it's like everyone knows it's going to happen and no one has them figured out yet. Like, when they scored early against Milan, Pioli was so pissed off. He was like, he was speaking to the press and he was saying, I, uh, we know that they score early. How did it still happen? We were prepared for it. And it still, and it still fucking went through. Yeah. They're just relentless. They just they like, like they are. They, they do charge early on. They they do attack, especially 
back when they had Zakani on the team, it was oh, it was wow, even scary. I miss him there so yeah. much, man, Zakani. But they have a great team, Verona. Yes. They're a joy to watch. Like Meagles at um, shout out to Meagles when we were watching the game at at Monelli last weekend. He asked us. He 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 went spotlighters, <laughs> and we're like we're like yes. And he said, "Who's your favorite team to watch in Serie A apart from Milan?" And and we both agreed that Sassuolo are are up there because of no bias, but actually the the way that they play football. And a close second is Verona. So a lovely battle for a night yeah. over there, man. True, true, definitely two stylistically nice teams to to watch. That encounters a classic two two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Um, but anyway, Verona are in ninth. They're five points behind of Fiorentina, who have a game in hand. And Genoa are in 18th, three points behind Cagliari, and level on points with Venezia, who have a game in hand. The next game is the reason that we have this gentleman as the podcast cover art. Yes, sir. On Instagram, at least, as the ad. Better the cover art on our on Spotify and iTunes is always yeah, yeah, our yeah, stupid yeah. silhouettes. That's it. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Now, um, Udinese 5, Cagliari 1. Now, the reverse, the, the reverse fixture was Cagliari 0, Udinese 4. Meaning that this season, Udinese have put 9 past Cagliari in two games. <laughs> Jesus now, Christ. Anyway, let, let that absorb. Absorb that. <laughs> okay, now. Coming into this one, Udinese had won 5 of their last 7 games against Cagliari. Kind of a bogey team for Cagliari. Mm. Since October, Udinese have lost the few SAA home matches. Only one defeat versus Atalanta on January the 9th at the Dacia. Dacia? I guess. Dacia. Oh, fuck knows. Oh, God. I hope no one's listening. <laughs> 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 With four wins and six draws, yes. Now, hey, the shit stinks. Uh, that's that's crazy, bro. Um, Udinese, exactly. They've lost the fewest matches at home. Mental, mental. That that is crazy, and it, it's a classic step up from yes. January, as we discussed earlier as well. Now, after racially abusing Manian and Tomori in the last match day, Cagliari got absolutely shafted by Udinese's Becao, Beto, and Molina. I'm so glad. Beautiful how that turned I'm out. I'm so glad. Karma stings, baby. Karma stings. And João Pedro scored as well. He did. In fact, the first goal was an all-black goal. No? Yeah, because it was a dull bear assist. It was a dull no? bear assist. Exactly. So you can go and make your fucking stupid primitive monkey sounds. <laughs> you racist fucks. Exactly. Okay, when the only reason that you had fucking... Five minutes of joy this game was because of people of color. Have some respect. Look at yourselves in the mirror. And go fuck yourselves. And go fuck yourselves. Exactly. Yes. Um, in the thirty-second minute, Dalbert played a lovely ball to João Pedro, um, who received it just behind the penalty spot. Lovely ball. It was also, he squared it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the Cagliari captain knocked the ball up with his left and curled it past Silvestri with the same foot. It was a gorgeous goal, and he did not celebrate. We'll talk about that later on. In the 38th minute, Becao got one. Cranio did well to pull off a close-range double save, um, but couldn't keep the third one out as Rodrigo Becao ran off in celebration. Um, that was the equaliser. In the 45th minute, Beto scored a great chipped pass by Pereira and a lovely acrobatic finish by Beto, ending his goal drought. In the 49th minute, Beto found the back of the net. Again, a success... Um, and Beto found themselves in a 2v1 situation at the halfway line. Success played it to Beto, who with a single touch and a burst of pace left the defender for dead and um, ran it down and finished coolly. Great success. Great success. Very nice. 
In the 59th minute, Molinos... Molinos. In <laughs> <laughs> the 59th minute, Molinos scored a phenomenal goal. Bro. Another f- mental, this guy, Molina. Another forward ball by success. Molina doesn't even take a touch. He just chips it from outside the area upon receiving the ball and beats wow. the goalkeeper. Like wow. Shades of Direct Totti. Direct swap for Calabria with yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good. He's, he's really insane. Good. He's nuts. He's nuts. Big and move is on the cards yeah. for him after this season. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Most likely. Uh, in the 73rd minute, Betos completed... Betos, Madonna. <laughs> They're all Greek, these guys. Yeah. Betos. <laughs> Betos. <laughs> Assist by Pusetos. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Kranios conceded. <laughs> Dalbertos, no. <laughs> no, okay, okay. So, Beto completed his hat-trick in the 73rd minute. And what a hat-trick it was. It was a great cross by Pusetto to set up Beto, who headed it home. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I'm really? so happy for Beto. It had been so long since he scored. It had actually been 11 games since he last found the back of the mm, net. So Crazy. Very happy for crazy. him. Crazy. And obviously benched on Fanta, yes, like, for yeah, someone. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> on someone's bench, hat-trick, you know, plus nine. Um, in the 82nd minute, Grassi got sent off. Guess what for, bro? Complaining to the ref? No, you would think like five one. Mm-hmm. Diving in the box. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna, tr- you're gonna dive when you're five <laughs> one. You're five one down. You're just diving. Come on, let's make it five two. That's <laughs> 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 right. And he got sent off. Second yellow, of course. Now, why do Udinese fuck Cagliari so hard, bro? That's such a good question. But but Thank we you. we talk about this a lot. How? mentality is so important in football and bogey teams are there for two reasons so so one there is a team can stylistically and tactically beat another team it doesn't necessarily mean this team is going to place higher in the league or or so on and so forth it's like an mma you could be a shit striker but you're great at jiu-jitsu it's it's something like that in in football as well the second one is the mentality. So you go to play Udinese and you're like, fucking hell, these guys shafted us 4 0. They shafted us the time before that. They shafted us the time before that. That's why they're going to motivate you. But whilst it's motivating you, guess what it's doing to Udinese? Udinese are like, we're going to fuck these guys up again, man. We're going to fuck them up again and again and again. So. A combination of those two things is probably the safest answer mm-hmm. I could think of. And plus, just Cagliari's off day, man. It's terrible true. day. In I the mean, office. they started off so well, Cagliari. You know, in the 32nd minute, they took the lead. It was only in the 38th minute when Udinese equalized. And then in the space of fucking. in the span of. Okay, so in the, towards the end of the first half, they scored two. Mm. Right, and then boom, the second the fucking next half started, they scored again. So suddenly they needed to score fucking two goals to equalize. Kalia. Yeah. So they're they're sending more men forward, and they're just getting caught on the counter over and over again. And suddenly they they just found themselves in a position where pff, the scoreline is yeah. embarrassing. And they just found it hard to deal with Beto's pace as well. Yes. I, I I mean on the counter, especially when you have all your men forward. I mean, Cagliari are a side that we've spoken about this before. They do seriously lack pace apart from Bellanova. Apart from Bellanova, I, I can't point anyone out that, that you could say 
can at least remotely give Beitar a run for his money pace-wise. So that was definitely a factor. And plus, Cagliari didn't help themselves with the holes that they left for Udinese to expose. And okay, Udinese have been streaky this season, but they are a seasoned squad. Mm-hmm. They are a very seasoned squad. And, and, and they relish an opportunity like this. Like, Cagliari isn't an easy fixture. It's not. Milan they, beat them they entered one the year really well as well. It, they, we were saying they, they, were, they were fourth form-wise in Italy. Literally, point. literally, and Udinese just fucking shafted them. Mm-hmm. All respect to Udinese, I think this was a great performance by them as well. I think they did exactly what they had to do and more. Yes, not much to be said about this one. Shout out our boy Beto. Of course, I'm going to ask you one more question before we move on, bro. Who would you rather have leading the line for your team? You get them for one season, next season, okay? So okay. age isn't really a factor. Beto, João Pedro. Ooh... Ooh, ooh. For one season. One season. For one season, I would say João Pedrin. <laughs> I would definitely say João Pedro for Joao one Pedros? season. João Pedros? I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> Lovatos is a good one yeah. as well. But I, I, I would say for one season, João Pedro. <laughs> for one season, João Pedro. Because he has the experience in the league. Um, he's still a, a fresh pair of legs. He's intelligent. And... All right, he does normally start a season off very well and then dips slightly. But that's with Cagliari. I'd yes, like and to he's, see been, he's been hitting double figures for a while now, Joao exactly. Pedro. He's, he's a consistent player, a talisman over there yeah. in Sardinia. So I, I, I would have to agree with you over here and say that for one season, I would take Joao Pedro, of course. No um, disrespect whatsoever yes, to Beto. I had to word it this way because it would have been too obvious to take Beto. Yeah, 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 you know for, what I mean? for sure, because he has a longer career ahead of him, exactly. and he's, yeah. and he's like hot the next right now. Ronaldo or some shit. So Udinese are 13th with 33 points, vibing, while Cagliari are 17th with 3 points off of Venezia, who have a game in hand against Salernitana. So if this next match was going to bring you anything, it was definitely going to bring you an element of physicality, as Salernitana take on Torino at home. Torino managed to get that away victory, one goal to nil. So coming into this match, Torino had won each of their last three Serie A matches against Salernitana, scoring a total of 15 goals in the process, an average of five a game. It doesn't take a genius to make the match there, but that is the case. Torino coming off a 1-0 away loss to Genoa. Genoa, I'm sure you all remember that game, played for 10 men for over 70 minutes. Salernitana, on the other hand, are coming off a 2-0 loss to Juve, which, let's be real, Expected as fuck. So in the 8th minute, Verdi had a half volley that was saved onto the post by Berisha. Brilliant save by Berisha. He's been a brilliant ever since coming in. Um, would be interesting to see what happens between him Berisha and Berisha in Maltese means feather. That's fucking so facts, dude. His nickname here is The Feather. Exactly. Berisha. In the 15th minute, a cross came in heading straight to Bellotti, who was literally thrown onto the ground by Fazio. Or should I say the worst defender in the league? <laughs> in the world. <laughs> in the world. He literally took a handful of Belotti's shirt, spun him around and threw him <laughs> to the ground. Now, this there guy, is no other way to put it. This guy is meant to be the seasoned player on the Salernitana side. Brought in to bring composure, to organize the defensive line, you know. Granted, they have Radovanovic now there as well. But, mm. um, you know, Fazio has been disappointing, to say the least. He wasn't good with Roma towards the end of his spell there. And he isn't particularly good now. I think maybe this level is a little bit too high for him nowadays. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. Step step behind the player all the time and he's constantly frustrated. Yeah. Um, no, zero, zero to, to no tactical awareness whatsoever by him. I, I, didn't, I, I don't enjoy Fazio. 
Um, so Faggio was awarded a yellow card, if you could say awarded a yellow card. And Belotti stepped up to take the penalty, but his effort was saved by Sepe. The Italian shot stopper, however, was off his line, and that led to a retake that was converted by Belotti, who went the same way and sent Sepe the other way. So many penalty retakes lately. Mm-hmm. So Three in two match days. Really strange. It's like... You know, there, there's a there's a meeting with the referees every every week, and they say, "What we're we gonna do this time? <laughs> How are we gonna copy each other this yeah. time round? What are we gonna do to implement consistency? Let's exactly. all ma- give penalty retakes." Yes. So that was the only goal in the match in the 85th minute. However, Fazio lost the ball to Belotti. Belotti was gonna start his run down the wing. But what did Fazio do? He took another chunk out of Belotti's shirt and tried to throw him to the ground, but Belotti was too strong. However, the ref stopped the play, awarded a second yellow card to Fazio, subsequently a red card. Baba. <laughs> Baba. Suspended for a game for literally being a bit of a twat. Yeah. So in the 92nd minute, then Belotti hit the post with a lovely shot from distance, but that was pretty much the end of the game. Salernitana did have their chances. They could have equalized as well on, on certain occasions, particularly with that Verdi strike in, in the beginning. It's like they're giving us good performances. They're playing with their heart on their sleeves, but it's just not enough. Eh? They are a Serie A team. They are, they are, they are. They literally are that right now, unfortunately for them. They have improved, which is nice to see. I do have a soft spot for these last place teams every yeah. single season. I tend to like them. Um, you know, when they have a lovely fan base. If you check out our TikTok one more time at Serious Spotlight, <laughs> you can see their fans chanting Bella Ciao with the lyrics. You know, yeah. it's, it's fucking amazing. You know, it's, it's amazing. Their fan base is incredible. One of the best in the league. Yes. And, and they're the, the smallest side in the league. So, all, all the respect in the world to their fan base. Um, Torino aren't looking great. I don't think Torino have looked great in a long, 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 this long, season, long time. Yes, I mean, they, no, it's not that they look bad. They just haven't looked as good as they started out. They still look better than last season. That's for sure. They still look better than last season, but they were good yes. until January. But they played really well against Inter, like last game as well. They should have won that game. <laughs> Probably, but their last win was on the 15th of January. Which is concerning, yeah, including is, losses against Venezia, Udinese, and, and even Cagliari, I believe. They have had those slip-ups, to be honest with you, and that's probably due to complacency, maybe just a lack of preparation, possibly a lack of luck at times, you know, for example. They, they did have some positive moments, though, again, the draw to Inter, the draw to Juve, those were good moments. There's definitely a plan with Juric, I do enjoy him being there. Um, as we've mentioned before, hopefully the, the club can provide something so he can actually improve the team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, eventually this team could be a team competing for a 10th spot easily. Like Yes, yes. And in fact, they were competing for, yes. a, for a 10th spot. But they can do but it seriously until the end, you know. They've dropped some serious points ever mm-hmm. since ever since the 15th of January. So yeah. that is looking but, less and less. But they certainly. have gone from a side that faces, that has to worry about relegation till the end of the season. Yes, to a team that no, doesn't no, need no. to think about they, that. So that is a step, you know. tremendously from, mm-hmm. from last year, to be fair to them. Um, Belotti seems like he's just past his prime nowadays. What do you think is on the cards for him? I don't think it's a move to Milan. He personally. needs a new environment. I, I don't think it's a move to Milan either. I, I think he'll move to the MLS, dude. Personally, I don't think he'll do that just yet. I do see him, for example, moving to Roma. 
Okay. You know? I, I don't do. see it. I don't you see don't it. You don't see it? I totally see it. Like, I couldn't see it more, to be honest with you. Well, what, he's going to compete with, with, with Tammy, Tammy for, for a spot? Yes, but he's competing with a side that has European pedigree. You know, he has a place with a loyal fan base where he can, you know, really grow I'd love to see there. it. I would love to see it. I, I don't want him to go him. to the MLS, yeah. but I just get that, that feeling from him. I still think he's a bit too young for that move. And he's an ambitious guy. You know, he's 28 years old. I don't, I can't see him moving to the MLS just well, yet. Well, Insignia's 29, you know what I mean, or 30. But so. Insignia has that whole thing that he doesn't want to play anywhere that needs to play against Napoli. Well, Belotti's a club legend yes, as well, but with, Portorino. Yes, it's true, but he's willing to go to Milan. He's dying for it, you know what I mean? And Sydney isn't dying to go but to Milan. But do Milan want him? That's if the thing, only club he'd go to is Milan, and Milan don't want him. But I don't think it's the only club he wants to go to. That's the thing. I just think it's his preference, you know? Mm. I don't think it's Milan or money. It'd be interesting if that's the case, to be honest mm. with you. That'd I don't be... know. It'd be interesting to see where he fits in, especially mm. after being at Torino for, for so long. He's a player who has really like proven himself at Torino, and I really think that after Torino he wanted to have a step up in his career. Mm. So it's like you don't prove yourself at Torino, and you go for the money. Mm, but do you think he's, you know, he's capable he's, of taking that step up at, at 28, and he just seems of like course he's he has capable. dipped significantly? Like his, his I don't even think he's necessarily and... dipped. I think he's had a complicated season under a new manager, um, riddled with injuries. Mm. You know, he has had his fair share of injury problems. And I but think he that's, was once that's, an 80 million rated player. He was, you know of course. I, mean? I don't think course, he'll ever be that again, is no, what I'm trying to no, say. No, no, definitely not. No, he's past being an 80 million euro player. But he's not past being a player that can score 20 goals in a season. That's definitely 28 years old, you know. Mm. You're probably right there. Yeah. No, I hope, I hope that we see it. But... Anyway, that's pretty much it for this game. There's not much to cover over here. Torino are in 11th place, four points ahead of Bologna. Salernitana are last, still just on 16 points. And the last game we're going to be covering is Spezia 1, Venezia 0. The reverse fixture ended in a 2-1 victory for Spezia, who have done the double against Venezia. You're gonna pause that shit? Cheers. No problem, man. So... Spezia won the reverse fixture, of course, 2-1, having gone winless against Venezia in their previous seven Serie B games. Okay, so they were kind of a bogey team for them in Serie B. Henri could not play this game because he's dumb. And 16 <laughs> matches without Fact. a clean sheet for Venezia. Okay, Venezia have not kept a clean sheet in 16 matches, my brother. That's actually a joke. Like The opening 30 minutes were relatively stress-free for the goalkeepers who didn't have much to do at all. Mm. And both sides were cautious. This was kind of a... Not kind of. It was definitely a relegation six-pointer. So, you know, the, both teams were being really careful. For sure. Um, the first shot came from Spezia's Simone Bastoni, forcing Mayenpan to a smart save and instilling some much-needed venom into the encounter. Mm. Moments later, Venezia's Mattia Ramos struck the crossbar with a rocketing free kick. It was a fucking lovely mm-hmm. free kick. Shame mm-hmm. didn't go in. Jazzy, Okareke and Ebuehi all tried their best to find the back of the net, but were denied. Um, Jazzy's header was cleared of the line by Caldara. And then in the so 94th minute, Jazzy took advantage of a Caldara error and scored. And there were crazy scenes there, you know, absolutely crazy scenes in the dying moments of the game. You know, fucking the whole Spezia stadium erupted. It was because it really is a six-pointer. It is. They, they, it, they're it fine is now. Literally that's a the thing. Spezia are literally fine now. They, they fucking knocked down the team that's in 17th. Like, mm. you know, literally, literally. Um, let's let's break it down. So. 
Venezia have been made Spezia's first ever Serie A league double victims since debuting last season. Wow. Very nice for them. Spezia, along with their transfer ban, like if you take that into consideration, they've they've done well in Serie A, man. Uh-huh. And, and I think, much to your dismay, credit is, is to be given to Thiago Motta for managing the side to the best of his capabilities, obviously... We can't compare yes. essentially this Spezia to last season's Spezia. But with the transfer ban in place, with the fact that he's a young manager coming into Serie A and, and Spezia were tipped for relegation the entire time, I think Motta has done bits for Spezia. I will see him on next season and it'll be interesting to see what happens next season with them. For sure, for sure. Um, Motta kept this team alive by beating the top teams. That's true. Napoli and, that, and Milan. You know, no matter how he got it done, he got it done. So, like, power to you, Motta. Yeah. Well, Spezia still have games to play, I believe, mm-hmm. against both Inter and Napoli, I think. So, yeah. massive Spezia fan from here on out. Massive Spezia fan. Yeah. I had wanted a Saponara kit. With Spezia, Spezia I, I and I had gone, I had gone there to La Spezia, and I fucking, I left it to a Monday to go to the store, and I fucking I opened remember. Google, and it was closed, and I was leaving that day, and I was like, fuck, you were, to, you were, I'd also, been there for two days, man. You were also debating days. a majority kit. Yes, I yes, remember. I was, I was. There was Agudelo as well. I was mm. thinking about. Agudelo is a cool one to have. It as is. Well. So it is, is Bastoni cool. nowadays? I'd probably get a Bastoni. I one. think so, actually. You're a, he's the he's the talisman mm. there. Well, Love if, if, if so goalkeeper kits were attractive, it would definitely be Provedel. I like Provedel mm. a lot. Mm. Bro, on the topic of Bastoni, mm. if their transfer ban is up and their players can actually leave guilt-free, <laughs> Simone Bastoni might be a player that fucking is looked at by other teams. You man. know so what? I think some big teams would lo- have a look at Bastoni. I think so too, man. You know, he's a very good squad player to have 25 years old he's not an old guy you know what I mean he can Actually, play left back centre back left wing he can pop him in he doesn't get enough praise I feel now, yes. I, I wonder what the conversations would be like between the staff of other teams do you think they'll be bringing up oh, this Bastoni guy first first bets he played that left back then he played that centre back he's quite good huh? he is he's one of those players that isn't very marketable though you know what I mm. mean like he's not a mm. standout he doesn't look particularly it's, it's, it's cool it's until he does something he's very, grandiose yeah. he's believe. no nonsense keep it simple keep it professional hard working you know he, mm. but the thing is he gets goals and goals typically that, that's enough to attract fucking teams but, but I mean not. when you get goals and you're capable of playing at, at centre mid and at left back I think sky's the limit for yeah. For this guy, um, like imagine him as a Theo backup. That would be nice. That would be nice. I take Aaron Hickey over it, but yes, well, that would be nice. I take Bastoni. Same here, man. So the Venezia fans, bro, tend to blame Caldara for his sloppy defending and his mistakes. Okay. Um, is it harsh? Is it justified? I think he has had quite a few. He's made quite a few mistakes. I think. I think. Okay. He. I. I don't think he's been. Consistent, and I don't even think he's he's been their best centre back. Oh, it's true, but I still see that he is an asset to Venezia. Like I, I still think that Venezia are better when Caldara's on the pitch. I still I, don't I still know about believe that. that. I, this dawned on me when I found this fucking random niche group of people on Twitter that support mm. Venezia. And I started going through the tweets and their conversations in Italian, you know, they're mm. a niche group of you, they're Venetian <laughs> fans. 
And I'm, I'm translating everything like I'm reading. And they don't like Kaldara. They think he's fucking shit and they can't wait for him okay, to leave. Like, they okay, can't wait okay. for, to not well, see him there. Anymore. When fans say it, mm-hmm. when, I, I can't be out here saying saying otherwise. Yeah. But, because these guys are the guys that watch Venezia gaming game out. They watch them religiously. They and know every player. Made... They know every detail. Yes. So in, in that case, I, I will and may stand stand corrected for that. Um, I always thought that Caldara brought an element of experience. He has n- not only played with great players, because I know he didn't get many mm. minutes in the top flight, but he was training with them. And, I mean, for a young side like Venezia, I mean, in the beginning of the season, this guy was their most experienced player. I think he might even be in this squad, the apart from Mampa. And Nani. Um, and, and Nani, obviously, but Nani d- doesn't start. Uh-huh. Not no, he's not their oldest player, but he's definitely their their most experienced. Uh, one. He's played at the highest level. Um, that season with Atalanta saw him scoring seven goals in what? 2017. Caldara was their centre back, and he was a maniac. He would score. My God, these Atalanta corner. defenders, even Conti had that. Exactly, had that that's what earned him his move to um, to Milan eventually. And he was Jesus. on on he was a Juve player. He was a Juve player, I believe, out on loan. Caldara might have uh, might have been at Juve. He was, he was. I'm pretty sure. Did that have anything to do with the Bonucci deal? It did. It did. No. It did. It was. It did. No. 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 The. Yes, it did. Higuain and Caldara for Bonucci. Exactly. No? Yes. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Okay. That worked out. It did. <laughs> it really <laughs> did. Huh? So Spezia are of the are ten points of the drop zone, bro. They've probably done enough, right? The fans thought they've done enough. The fans went mental. They're safe. I think so. I think I think Spezia are, are safe. I, I mean, it's like the, the claims I was making earlier was that Spezia are the team. I mean, when you think of Spezia and relegation, you think of the other bottom three teams. Now, I know Genoa are a good side mm-hmm. at, at the minute. Um, but Spezia are the side that are most capable of shocking and getting results. That's true. I, I definitely th- think that. And, and I think through those shock results, to those random three points... That's where they are, yeah. where they are now. Because you'd be like Genoa and you get one point, one point, one point, one point. Progressing very slowly, seven games left and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Well, you have been in trouble, but you're still in trouble. Spezia, on the other hand, they got those wins. This was a massive six-pointer for them. They got mm-hmm. it done again. They'll probably ride the confidence and, and I don't see them being in danger. Yes, um, it's a shame for Venezia, of course, they took... They took 14 shots this game. They hit the post three shots on target, of course, only there's a bit of a lack of quality mm. over there. But that's that's the other yeah. thing. Eh? You like It's not only Spezia getting the win, but the fact that mm. Venezia weren't capable of, of getting a point or, or winning this game and then shows the latter. It shows mm. that Venezia, on the other hand, unfortunately, oh. are, are for the drop. But this did look like a Serie B match watching it. Oh, it was so low quality. Low bro. quality when I was, low When quality. I was watching it, I remember I was like, Fuck me! Like, what am I watching? Like, this is why people it, laugh it, at me. It was a scrap. It was Literally. a scrap. Seeing these teams play against bigger teams, they look much better than this. Mm. But then they score at the last minute. Oh, uh, the beautiful they, game! They, they, <laughs> it's, it's a shit show the <laughs> entire time. <laughs> it's true. It was a shit show, but that ending ending was amazing. It was beautiful. It was yeah. a book. What what movie has a has a great story and a terrible ending? No, oh, uh, sorry, a, ter- a terrible a terrible story and a great ending. A terrible story and a uh. great ending. Jesus, you really put me on the spot. Yeah, it's gonna be difficult, difficult to think of one. Mm. There, there was Noah's Ark. <laughs> what? Noah's Ark for sure. 
Because, you know, during the story, just like he's, there, he's mentioning all the animals, they're counting, that, they're in twos, what animal I'm can go on. if I hear a story about someone loading a boat with two of each animal, boy and, that, boy and girl. Bro, that's like fucking Jersey Shore, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm in towards that. Who knows? Maybe the lion starts fucking We've the got giraffe. the elephants. <laughs> Bro. I don't know why I'm going to talk to you about this on the pod, sure. but today Sean really made me laugh. <laughs> okay, no let's idea. go. Why did Sean make you laugh, dude? Because he said, aren't emus the animals with the long neck? <laughs> and Naomi went, no, those are giraffes. <laughs> Was he like, thanks, no? <laughs> ah, la, la. Okay, okay, got it. But, but anyway, I think we can close this one. Yes, I think we can, we can call it a day, to be honest. We can. We have three questions for the segment. Yes, that, that we will do. And we will see you in the question segment. I got a question. Welcome back to Say A Spotlight's question segment. I got a question. To ask us a question, you can follow us at say a spotlight on Twitter or Instagram. You don't even need to follow us; you can just DM us or, no, no, no. or tweet us. Drop like, drop us a follow, please. <laughs> <laughs> it would be may. cool. It would be cool. We have really cool quizzes and stuff. We do, we do, we do. They're great fun <laughs> when we remember. Um, <laughs> the first question comes from our boy Joe Portelli, the very talented Joe, Joe Portelli. Joe. He does a lot of artwork. Um, he has a page, the Footy Mural. It's fantastic. It's great. Okay. Huh? Yeah, I love it. Very I good at it. He's great. He asks, can Roma make fourth place? We already discussed this earlier in mm-hmm. the pod, and we both kind of agreed. That me get, like, us receiving the question like mm-hmm. that from Joe makes me think, all right, it's not just us discussing yes. it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's being talked about, like, of Roma course. are on good form, and they're pushing on Juve. They are. They're applying a lot of pressure. Qu- can they? I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I don't think they're quite there yet. Do you I think, think Juve they started can't, doing they what can't they did get enough, earlier. Do you think they can't get enough wins? Or do you think that Juve will just win everything? I think win? Juve started doing what they mm-hmm. are do, what Roma are doing now earlier than Roma that's, did. So that's they have, so true. So they have that extra gap on top. Because there are what, four points between mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, I think four. Uh-huh. Let me double check that. Please do. Um, and I mean, I don't see five them points. five points, and I don't see them dropping many points. Juve, yeah. we see that they can win difficult games. Okay, they dropped points against Inter, but come on, like mm-hmm. it's it's a derby, mm-hmm. and and anything can happen in those. So I think I think Juve have done enough, and I think they'll continue to do enough. I I tend to agree with you. Yes, um, they've really go, gone in that like full flow Allegri ball kind of. Like you said, they started winning dirty earlier than Roma started exactly. winning dirty, and that's probably going to be the deciding factor. And they had that fucking that but comeback I, against Roma, yeah. Jesus! And what a fucking massive part that game turned hey, out to play. Hey, it would be two like points. A ma- like, exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. The beautiful game. The beautiful game. The next question comes from our boy Ben Meagles at finally Meagles Shana. on Twitter. He asks, "Do you still believe?" <laughs> I don't think I ever. <sighs> Sometimes they have me believing, I'm not going to lie. Do I still believe? A part of me, very, very deep down, a little, little boy, still believes. But it's incredibly faint. It Mm. is incredibly faint. You know, we we had this thing with with top four last season. None of us thought we were going to do it, man. 
But we went out and we fucking did it. This one is a much bigger ask. It's for first and it's with seven matches to go. But I really, really fucking hope we can do it. But it's going to be incredibly tough. How Milan would it, would it be to end third now? Like... That's like, like that's so standard my prediction. Standard procedure. That's like. literally my prediction. And then my we'd be like, oh, prediction. we got so close that year. But then when, when, when we're on, it's like we're unstoppable, man. When we start fucking it's true. scoring three goals in a game, you know what I mean? The but problem no. is the second it gets to like do or die, Milan slip up. Like, like when it comes to extending the margin of, of our we, advantage. We, we when it comes, when it comes to not falling behind from our opponents, we win. Under exactly. pressure, we're good. Exactly. But when it comes to actually like creating a distance between mm-hmm. a safe fucking a safety net, we, we don't, don't do take, it, man. We don't take the opportunities that are presented to us, but exactly. rather we keep on giving the opportunities to the teams below us. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid the teams below us just won the two toughest games they could have in the season. So they're gas away to Juve and away to Atalanta. Pressures on Milan. We can't give them opportunity. We slip up and they take it. These guys aren't like us. It's true. They fucking they step up. True. Anyway, um, that's it for our question segment this week. <laughs> yes. There was one guy. You, well, I, one I more, shared no? it on I shared it on my Twitter at that Milan fan. This, this, this <laughs> one guy who doesn't even follow us called Jose Fernandao at prxygo on Twitter. He said thoughts on butter croissants and coffee. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just going to say, like, fuck me up. Like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. Uh, butter I'm croissants in and coffee. Don't You're care. Or like, netto. Let's go. Sure, man. Beautiful. Or just a croissant. Exactly. Um, no, coffee's always Chocolate needed croissant. in the morning. Chocolate croissant, but coffee's always needed in the morning. Yeah. A cappuccino. I don't, like, I don't even eat breakfast, man. I don't know why I'm saying this. Yeah, but on holiday. On, on holiday. holiday you but then, but then I prefer, up, but like, then I prefer, like, a... I don't know, those like buffet bacon scrambled mm. eggs, you know, those continental ones. Like, on the cruise, on the bro, cruise, I was having crazy. like eight strips of bacon on the cruise. Like, came <laughs> they, down four kilos know. heavier. Like, you go up a flight crazy. of stairs, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> smoking 20 yeah. cigarettes. How like, bad. With my morning espresso, I light a cigar. Like <laughs> <laughs> Espresso martini. Bro, how gas is it that next month we're going to go watch Milan Atalanta? It's... That's super gas. exciting. That's super gas. That, but that, I'm I'm afraid that we that might be meeting. fighting for third or oh, fighting no, for no, second. No, no. Let's 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 believe, bro. Come on, we only have we have to believe. Like that's the only choice we have. And believe we're going to have to, brother. Thank you very believe much. Believe in us, please, and drop us a follow everywhere: TikTok, Instagram, where else? Twitter. Twitter at Serie A Spotlight don't follow us on YouTube just now give us like two <laughs> exactly. months because Jake didn't post one so I'm using it as an excuse not to do any <laughs> but it's working out well so exactly, far it's still his I'm, I'm behind the TikTok operation right now my operation has achieved 420 followers bro what operation are you running man my keynotes are really pretty my man every <laughs> 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 time I swipe that's like it takes <laughs> so much though man it does it does you're doing it a great does. job bro thank you Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all next week. We'll try to dish this one out a bit earlier. Yes. But life is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Working till half seven is brutal, honestly. Like you get home, you eat, you take a shower, you know, you unwind a bit. All of a sudden it's 11 p.m. Exactly. Like, you know, exactly. when the fuck... Yeah, bro, let's start, yeah. let's start. <laughs> let's do this. But yeah, next week will be earlier. Thank yeah. you very much, guys. Thank you, guys.